Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Robert Eston Jones, alias Robot to his friends, a beloved figure of Polynew High School, vanished without a trace. Eyewitnesses report seeing him one last time. Yeah, I saw him. He was going to the bathroom. He was taking a real long time in there. There was an oil leak on the floor, but he just he just didn't come on out. I got confused and scared and then just kind of wandered off. It's the 80s. I certainly remembered that little friend. I remember him going this way and that with his big robot brain. Let me see your fillings. Yes, he certainly did, brother. <laughs> brother... A distraught mother, wondering, where could her robot son be? I just don't understand what could have happened to him. He had always been such a pleasant little boy, but now I, 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 I have nothing to do but wait and hope. Progeny not found, progeny not found, progeny not found. An eyewitness, the last known person to see robot alive. A person that we will call Aaron because we want to shield her identity, recalls that faithful event. Yeah, so, uh, I, he seemed interested in me. I had to turn him down, uh, because, uh, we tried kissing and my braces kept on causing sparks. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, I have to go now. No further questions. Robot was last seen on March 13th, 1980. He is three foot six, but can sometimes stretch out to as much as seven feet tall. Here is an audio recording of what Robot sounded like taken just hours before he disappeared. Will you be my friend? And here is an artist's recreation of what he might sound like today. Will you be my friend? If you have any information on the location of Robot Jones, please call our 1-800-HOTLINE. Robot Jones. I, uh, I think that it's good. I think that instead of your, uh, here's what he would look like today, mm -hmm. boys, we should just repeat the same thing <laughs> yes. as what he, what yes. he sounded like back yeah, then. That's very that's good. That's the correct one. Yeah. I yeah. was just thinking of like all humans must die, uh, because apparently like the original idea for the show is that it would end with him starting a robot uprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a direction I think they needed to go in. No! <laughs> I have no... Re yeah. Are we on the record now? Are we talking about the show now? We're, we're, okay, we're on the record cool. talking... <laughs> Here, let, let's get into this Who real quick. For, <laughs> for a surprisingly scant show, I'm sure we have a lot to say. Yeah, um, let's start it out. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. My name's Josh. Oh, uh... And uh, this is the show where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And Josh, thank you for coming back on the show. Thank yeah, you, Josh. Yay. Whatever happened to the Carton cast? Whatever happened to you? Uh, whatever happened to me. First of all, I want to say I'm honored that I finally won a Cartoni, and I won the best Cartoni award. <laughs> well, what was the one that you, you won? Uh, opening sketch. That's beyond. That's the best one, because the other ones are dependent <laughs> on the show that you review. 
Was that the right. one where you deported Zane? <laughs> no, no, no. It's where I was Bo Hansen. That's handsome. long ago. That was long ago. I was Bo Hansen. I never, I never robot, Senator Robotic. Oh, that's won. right. Bo Hansen won the award. That's right. You, you, you got a minor lift by the fact that I used uh, a lot of Spanish flea in that intro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that always, yeah, that always but cracks yeah. something up. Congrats. Day. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and yeah, hot on that success, you've brought something new to us today. Uh, last time, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Actually, uh, before we get into the show we're talking about today, do you want to say a little bit about yourself and what you're up to and uh, what brings you here today? Uh, I'm Josh, you all know me, I guess, if you listen to Word Girl or Sonic or Garfield or Fillmore. Uh, I apologize in advance for bringing you this, but uh, I'm just working. I made new. <laughs> you brought us Fillmore. You've earned up some back credit. I made uh, a word girl. Josh, give word it, girl Josh taketh away. Yeah. I'm curious what the next one will be. Uh, I'm Josh. I still work for a mutual fund company and uh, I'm making game show videos now where I review Japanese game shows or sort of tell you about them because no one knows about Japanese. I mean, we all have like seen the clips and I'm like, well, what's the context for the clip? So now I'm going to give you context for the clip. So I just released a video about a show called Challenger of Fire, which was called Ucha Nancha no Hono no Challenger Kori Yakuma En, which was, uh, <laughs> you can watch my video. Well, that right? was a Saturday well spent. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, Ucha Nanchan's Challenger of Fire, if you can do it, one million yen. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I love the name. They would have these, uh, there was like these challengers would come and do these sort of, I don't know how to, like, just very esoteric games, each individual one. So they had one game where it was like cry in 10 seconds, where you'd have to literally just... You have a contestant, you had to, you could do whatever you wanted to, you could not hurt yourself, but anything you wanted to do to make yourself cry in 10 seconds, you had to evoke the emotion. And if you could do- That's so inventive. And if, yeah, and they had other ones, they had uh, one where you had to, they had to bungee jump, you had like one, you had to bungee jump over a river, and they would release like three of these like beach balls. And when you bungee jumped, you had to grab one of the beach balls as it floated down this river. Uh, That's amazing. And the the staple of the show was. Do you guys did you guys ever watch the Angry Video Game Nerd or? Uh, yeah, a little bit back in the Takeshi's early days. Challenge. No, no, no. Although maybe I'll do that one someday. They had a irritating stick. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Irrits- Vaguely. So there was this game called Irritating Stick that that was based on this show, but no one in America knew about this show. So this this strange video game came out called Irritating Stick. So we had no context. We're like, what the hell is this? And it's it, just and I, some stick yeah. game. So what it is is, uh, and this is a little pocket version of it, uh, and, and no one's going to see this, so I don't know why I'm explaining. It, but what it is is, and this is a, this is a obviously this is a small toy version. The, the version on the show is like bigger than I am. Uh, what you do is you have this little electric wire, kind of like the it's kind of like that little carnival game we used to play, and you have to try to guide it through without touching the side from here yeah, to here. Yeah, it's like Operation if you had to go through the guy's yeah. entire intestinal tract. Yeah, but if you... Yeah, it, it basically looks like an Etch-A-Sketch swallowed a tapeworm. Yeah, and if you touch the sides... Uh, it, it was much more impressive on the show. Static. I like the sound. Yeah, Yeah. okay, so so as I understand it, you're running a Squid Game is, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I am so happy that Squid Game is a thing now because it's driving viewership <laughs> to my videos. It seems That's super cool. up your alley. I haven't seen it yet. You see, I don't, oh, like the, I don't like the ultra-violent. I don't do the ultra-violent stuff or the ultra-sexualized stuff, so. You may not want to check out Squid Game and or Hunger Games and or most games that Americans like. I do love the notion that you are kind of, you know, uncovering a lot of these old Japanese uh, um, game shows because I'm pretty fatigued with the um, just, just trivia nature of most American game shows. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, like... Family Feud, but 
and that you know like double dare and like the other physical challenge things that are just do something physical and it doesn't depend on any sort of mastery but mostly you're getting you know wheel of fortune jeopardy trivia nonsense and just so much uh, cry in 10 seconds is so inventive compared to that <laughs> how do you feel about japanese family feud uh i feel like it looks a lot like uh tic-tac-toe looks like hollywood squares they have art was their, version. Go their version too. was better even though i'm told uh, yeah well i guess i don't know if i can legally say what that uh cut this out from the final product i don't know if they actually licensed the rights to do the japanese version of family feud i've i've heard rumors that they just like stole the format i i'm no longer amazed by the breadth of your knowledge of these things i'm more impressed by the fact that you had all of these within arm's reach, even though there was like I knew we weren't necessarily going to bring any of it up. I knew I knew that game shows would come up. I want to be like I'm a complete loser. I spent ten dollars on a board game from Japan. I do love the mascot on that thing, Yaku Taro, uh, which means one hundred hundred, and then Taro is an honorific, so one hundred person. Uh, he's a snow fox. <laughs> That's. That's so beautiful. He's a snowbox. <laughs> and I'll talk around at least, but there's other ones, so I can actually... I don't have any other ones, because I'm poor. Mr. 100. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he's a cute little bear, and I need to get more... They actually have a plushie. I want to find this Hyakutaro plushie, so... Japanese he looks sh- like he belongs on toilet paper. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Like, a, like, a, like a chibi charman? Yeah, like a chibi charman. I'm actually curious if they... I don't know how much of that Japanese toilet paper... By the way, we are so putting off what we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, <laughs> we'll get fine. there, man. I don't know if the, they, the, they... the thing is, if we cut you off in the game show segment, you're going to bring more game shows back yep. later in the podcast. Get it out of your that, system. Man, this, this takes place in 1980. Did you know that in 1980, that was the year that... I don't know what happened to game shows that year. Uh, <laughs> if he remembers, I have to go edit it back in. Curious blank spot. Uh... Uh, but yeah, you, you brought us a cartoon that isn't a game show Correct. to our attention today. Uh, tell us why you chose Whatever Happened to Robot Jones. Um, last time I was on, I remember I teased. I'm like, so next time I'm on, I'm going to do a show that's completely unlike Word That's Go- true. That is not what this is. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow I'm down. Claim it. <laughs> the edging continues. I'm going to claim it later because I knew, I knew at some point they're going to claim Robot Jones. And I'm like... This may so there's two reasons why I want to talk about this. We were not going to claim okay. Robot Jones. This may be the only chance I have in my entire life to talk about these two subjects. Uh, one is the 1980s, which we'll talk in that talk in boldened about that. And the other the Wonder oh, is years. That when this, is that is that what the setting of this one I was? I think it was. Glory days. And, really? Okay, I guess three things. This gives me an excuse to go, Zane. Here's like nine or ten songs from 1980. Put these in the show. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> so. You're saying that like he doesn't already have an associate's degree in ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> ABBA broke up by that point. No, wait, was it 81? Yeah, okay, they were still running. ABBA's getting back running. together for a new record. Yeah. They turned... Oh, yeah, you had mentioned that. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> very exciting. Fun fact, they turned down a billion dollars. Dancing Queen 57, they turned down, old and sweet. They were offered a billion dollars to reunite, and they turned it down originally. Ooh. Mm-hmm. A billion? Yep. It, that doesn't sound like it was a real... It was a one billion dollar. It was a one billion dollar. Was it deal. a Nigerian prince who offered it? <laughs> we are so in love with ABBA. Please come. Please, if you donate uh, nine, if you give us ninety thousand dollars, we'll give you a one billion dollar recording contract. Are you glad that it, I did it? My own it's a good, you re, you got to remember, like ABBA makes up a tenth of the European economy. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, Euro slightly behind Belgium. I mean, I think what they won Eurovision. They didn't really do this. They won Eurovision like every year. Literally, European music didn't exist before ABBA. They they won at the important time. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> Robacho. And then the second thing I wanted to talk about was okay. So do we all know the song Mr. Roboto by Styx? Styx, yes, classic. Do you know what the song is about or what the impetus of that song that song in the album? The was? song is part of a rock opera in a dystopian future where a man is escaping from uh oh god, he, he's he's escaping Can I explain by it? dressing Ooh. up as a Mr. Robot mm-hmm. and they, they get him out, they the, the resistance fighters get him out and he's killing Roy. Zane, you know that he wasn't anticipating. No, I was not. I was going to. Why would I? I was going to. I got really obsessed with this song for like two weeks one summer. (laughs) I was going to explain, like, oh my god, there's all there's this album called Kilroy was here, and they went to Japan. So I had like a bunch of things that were going to make me sound super smart lined up, and you just screwed me out of it. I'm in charge of the edit anyway. Okay. (laughs) You weren't getting this no matter what. (laughs) Okay, so you guys are familiar with the song Mr. Roboto. I'm just going to dub over you. (laughs) You guys were familiar with the song Mr. Roboto, but you have no clue what the history behind that song is. Am I right? Absolutely not. He was cool. a renegade, if I remember Styx's discography. So there's three things that play heavily into the making of this album. One is 1980, Japan was kicking America's ass in mm-hmm. every way. We just didn't know it until the 90s. They were, well, they were literally, they were this big mysterious force in the world. They, like, for years they had been secluded. No one really knew a whole lot about them. They were very mysterious. they just come out of the war. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Ben's eyes for him watching you for signs of dog whistles. They were coming it's very out fun. Of, they were coming out of World War II. They're, literally, I'm not joking. Like, they didn't get TV. I, I know. <laughs> they didn't get TV till 1953, I think. Like, they didn't have Yes, we were, I Know This we were back. scared of the unknown back then. Like, there was all that stuff in, in Cold War Russia yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Like, you, the men who stare at goats were developing psyops. <laughs> Probably Japan had a bunch of... Um, you know, martial artists that can make your head explode by touching your pressure points. We didn't know anything. Yeah, well, that, was, that was the extent of cultural knowledge. Sorry, continue. We had things coming from Japan. It was like made in Japan, which now means like the high point. Originally made in Japan meant piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Yes. But by 1980, that was completely different. They were making technology better and more efficiently than we were. They surpassed... Uh, that was the year. 1980 was the year that Japan made more automobiles than America. They'd surpassed it. And there was a big okay. thing at that time, if you remember, because we were all alive back then, of course. Um, <laughs> buy American, buy American-made cars. Japanese are taking our jobs from that way, which is ironic. Now the, now the right. you know immigrants are taking our jobs. But that, that, so that's that's high point number one. The mysteries of why don't they just mine more jobs? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's not Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have fooled me. Issue number two: censorship in music. Uh, Jerry hmm. Falwell. Uh, the Moral Majority uh, was around that time. They were burning. They were literally burning record albums because they contained offensive words. And there's a stick song where <laughs> always a good sign. If you play the stick songs back, if you play this one song backwards, it sounds like Satan. It sounds like they're saying Satan moves in our voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was Satanic Panic. Yeah, yeah. Sa- that was the whole D and D teaches your kids to contact the devil. Yep. That part turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. Well, only if you do it right. There's mm-hmm. a great joke I love from uh, an episode of uh, when they were doing I Love the 90s, which we'll talk about in a minute, where they're talking about... They're talking <laughs> he's, got a, the, he's got the conversation planned They're out. talking about um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which none of us watched. Uh, and somehow the subject of the character of Willow comes on. And I just remember Weird Al Yankovic going, oh, Willow started out as a book reader, like a librarian, then became a witchcraft-practicing lesbian. Which, let us all know, kids, reading, it's a gateway to witchcraft. 
<laughs> uh, so they were literally burning albums and censoring music, and it was this big thing, and parents were worried that their kids were going to, you know... Uh, uh, if you remember around that time, uh, who was it? Judas Priest, they got sued for allegedly putting backwards messages on these record albums, which turned out to be complete horseshit. Uh, that turns out to be like the best publicity I can imagine for Judas Priest. Does, does freedom of back does freedom of speech extend to freedom of backwards speech? That's a good question. And that, that feels like an interesting argument. It's like an opposite day uh, uh, argument in court. And fun fact: if you play this podcast backwards, you can actually hear a great new recipe for stroganoff. But that's aside the point. You know. It, since you're mentioning all this kind of fear mm-hmm. of uh, Japan and stuff, um, mm-hmm. it does kind of shed a new light on everybody's attitude toward the, our main protagonist, Robot yeah. Jones, in this, which is like, he's other and we don't understand yeah. him. Oh, issue this number, is the 80s. Yeah, yeah go issue ahead. Issue number three, uh, automation. Robotics, and again, we think of mm. robots as like, God, we think of robots as humanoids with arms, but that's not what a robot is. A robot is something that we have created to do one simple task. And there was this question around this time, are we giving technology too much power? Uh, This is like modern times, but 60 years in the future. People were losing their jobs to robots. Before they were losing their jobs to the Japanese, who we were losing our jobs before the... uh, We were losing our jobs to robots. So now robots can make cars better than we can make them. And you had the Jarvik 7 come in around that time. People Now we have literally people who are being kept alive through technology, uh, you know, the first artificial heart, that was a big deal. Ivermectin. Iron Man. Yeah. And so there was a question of, does technology get too much power in our lives? And so taking all three of the, and see, you didn't think that the guy from the Midwest who wore the penguin shirt could go on and on about these big hot button topics of the 1980s, did you? We put a a 15 minute buffer at the beginning of the recording for whatever you needed to get off your chest. So, uh, taking all three of these things in mind, Dennis DeYoung, the lead singer of Styx, came up with this idea for a concept album called Kilroy Was Here, about oh. a dystopic crap hole future where, for whatever reason, things in Amer- America has gone to pot for who knows why. Donald Trump. Who said that? I didn't say that. Did you guys <laughs> say that? Um, <laughs> it's just kind of always being screamed by somebody outside. And so... Uh, so... the. As in with all those things, you look for someone or something you can point to all your rage at. Uh, we can get mm. into the debate of what it is today. Let's not do that. Let's instead say what it was in this, which was rock and roll music. Everything went to pop because <laughs> rock and roll music exists. So this character mm-hmm. named Everett Righteous, who's half evangelical preacher, half Johnny Carson, comes around. That's that's right. <laughs> and is like, you know, burn all the records. And a young renegade rock and roller named Robert Olin Charles Kilroy. See if you can figure it out why he's called that. Write it down and then look at the first letter of each one. Okay, good. We get it. Uh, decides he's going to put on a concert one night. And he puts on a concert. And uh, during the concert, it's eventually raided by this Dr. Everett Righteous guy. And Kilroy, someone is killed at this concert. And Kilroy is framed for his murder and is sentenced to go to live in a prison which is guarded by Japanese speaking robots called Robots. That's right. Uh, and uh, Kilroy is resigned to his fate until one night he sees a young renegade rocker, not unlike himself, named Jonathan Chance, who uh, is also into rock and roll, blah, 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 blah. And so Kilroy decides he's going to escape his prison hell by, and does so by overtaking one of the Robotos, putting on his mask, and escaping the prison that way, uh, and going and meeting Jonathan Chance at the Paradise Theater, 
and then blah, blah, blah. And so he wrote this story. Dennis DeYoung wrote this story that I just told you. Uh, and he needed a transition from a movie that told that story to him on stage performing the song or to them doing this concert, which was going to be this big thing. And so the song, Mr. Obato, was literally just transitioning from this movie. Do not fear, yep. young one. I am. I'm not what I seem. I'm just a man whose circumstances went beyond his control. Yep. Yep. And now, Ben, would you imagine that all that plot fits into four songs? I don't even know what music is, guys. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not the time. guy. I'm not the recipient this, this of this knowledge. This is actually a very interesting digression that I, that I think we might be able to tap into when we discuss the show. We do have one more minute if we wanted to talk about um, I Love the 90s. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, uh, I do have one thing that I want to mention, sure. which is that um, the, the, the rock opera um, retro futuristic hellscape thing that you are talking about mm -hmm. um, reminds me of one of the only bands that I have any kind of knowledge mm -hmm. of, which is the Proto Men which is a rock opera based on the uh, life and times of one dear mega man. And um, I think the band, I think they're one of the members names in the band was Kilroy. So thank you for lighting up that dark spot in my knowledge. There's base. definitely a direct connection between those two bands uh, or those yeah. two things. If I ever, um, mm -hmm. Now, now you know yeah. that if you're ever on millionaire and if you ever, if I ever get on millionaire, I want one of you guys to be my phone friend. Cause I don't know sciencey stuff. Uh, I'd probably go with Zane. Mine's okay. a little bit esoteric. I, got an art, ah. I need a science friend and I got an art friend. So the two things I don't know anything about. <laughs> Never the twain shall meet. Okay. I do have, I, I do want to kind of remark on one thing that you brought in, which is the notion of this entire genre, mm -hmm. which is retro futuristic mm -hmm. is, is kind of how the show was pitched. Mm -hmm. And you can see that really clearly because... It's 80s and it's robots at the same time. Yeah, when when the when the dad is like got a briefcase and a tie, mm -hmm. but is a robot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, retrofuturism is is something that I kind of went down a rabbit hole, kind of researching because I knew I wouldn't have much to say about I love the 90s. Um, I I went and looked at what it was, and it's looking back to how we looked at the future. Mm -hmm. So see also Back to the Future 2 for a really good example yeah. of retro-futuristic. It's uh, aged very genre. well. I am still pissed at Back <laughs> to the Future Part 2. Not that we don't have hoverboards. I can live with that. Live without that. I'm fine with that. I'm still angry that we... I want the microwave pizzas. I want, yeah, that I want that too. I want the uh, Michael Jackson Max Headroom as my waiter when I go to a restaurant. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, but retro-futurism as a setting i think is pretty well captured in this and it's kind of a cousin to steampunk to get it to give everyone kind of a mm -hmm. feel of it everything is sort of degraded and and old timey but there are robots around like there are it i don't know it it's a it's a cool aesthetic and an interesting choice for a setting i, yeah. a, I just kind of wanted to point that out i have a couple positives about this show i don't know what they will be but uh do we do we already <laughs> say we're talking about whatever happened to robot jones I don't know. Oh, yeah. So Whatever Happened to Robot Jones um, ran from 2002 to 2003 on Cartoon Network, although it had a pilot in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that pilot was, was shown during Voice Your Choice Weekend, where Cartoon Network ran several pilots and let viewers decide what shows to take forward. Now, it lost to Grim and Evil. Grim and Evil mm -hmm. had something like 60% of the vote, and this show got like 25. And they were just like, let's green light both. And in fact, let's split up Grim and Evil into two different shows. And um, 
kudos to the people at Cartoon Network, which we'll talk about our memories, I hope, of Cartoon Network at that time. Oh, and now I remember what I wanted to say. I apologize in advance to people listening to this thinking they're getting a Robot Jones podcast because this could easily devolve <laughs> into, man, I remember when Cartoon Network was great or I remember when the 80s. This, it could, I'm not joking. It, it could I'm really hoping it turns into, into a Makoto Nagano podcast the and we just talk thing, about the fireman from Ninja Warrior. The only thing I remember from I Love the 90s was when Weird Al dressed up as the Unabomber. Yes. That was so hilarious. Like... <laughs> Uh, the Chris Hardwick, they're talking about the Unabomber, which is a great thing to reminisce about. Oh, man, remember when the Unabomber was a thing? Uh, and Chris Hardwick is like, I looked at that police sketch and I thought at the time, I remember thinking, oh, my God, maybe Weird Al Yankovic is the Unabomber. <laughs> remember when our terrorists were foreign <laughs> and funny? And it looks like, and what's funny is it does look like Weird Al. Like, you look at that thing and you're like, yeah. that, that, that 1986 photo of the Unabomber looks like Weird Al Yankovic is the you know, Unabomber. Hoodie. Yeah. And they have Weird Al Yankovic nope. there dressed up, and he's like, I thought it was completely inappropriate when they arrested me and cavity searched me thinking that. So, <laughs> I, I don't know how much of mid-thousands mid uh, Cartoon Network lore I can really bring to mind. For, for whatever reason, I was just kind of out of it then. Like, maybe I was just in the, um, maybe I was in the Toonami phase. Maybe I was somewhere else. I don't really know what was going on, but I wasn't paying attention to shit like... Whatever happened to Robot Jones? Maybe I was just in a like a Teen Titans feud. I mean, this I, show yeah, is kind of known as, oh yeah, that's another show. Yeah. Like it, it's, that's another show that they tried. Like if you look up, if you try and look up reviews of this show on YouTube or on you know just on the internet at large, all of them are just like, this what? existed. What is this? This this happened. <laughs> yeah, like the the title, which makes no sense in the context of the show, yeah. became Horrible. kind of like fitting. I hate yeah. yeah. I hate the title for reasons we'll get into in a minute, I hope. Again, I have, I have a lot of hopes. I feel like for it's self-explanatory. I have a lot of hopes for this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, like, what, what? so can I ask, uh, uh, Ben, what was your Cartoon Network? Like, when did you watch that era of Cartoon Network? I don't know. That's the weird thing. I, like, it was this era. Yeah. It was this. It was this era. It just, I, this rolled off my brain for some reason. And, um... You know, uh, if you don't mind me sure. saying a bit more production, it was created by Greg Miller, who we are familiar with through a bunch of other Hanna-Barbera stuff. He was, you know, a writer and a storyboard artist for um, a, a lot, lot of things, things like uh, Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls. Teenage Robot, actually. My life is a teenage robot he also worked on. Mm -hmm. And then also some Nickelodeon stuff like Cat Dog and Angry Beavers. And all of those shows I remember... Even my life as a teenage robot, I remember this. I I I don't remember at all. Like it's very, I, yeah. it's very much a one season greenlit off of a like a viewer choice thing and then immediately canceled kind of deal. Th this was when Cartoon Network was sort of uh, waning, and uh, mm -hmm. you know Nickelodeon and Disney Channel's cartoons were kind of on the rise. I disagree. I'll disagree with you a little bit. I don't think Nickelodeons were on the rise. Well. So, like, oh, first of all... Spongebob was right around the corner, Val, Val, wasn't it? Uh, so let me phrase that. Nickelodeon cartoon was on the rise. Uh, <laughs> so, but this is around the time... First of all, kudos to Cartoon Network for giving... Like, that's a big thing. We're going to let you decide what show we greenlight in oh, a yeah. vote poll. That's kind of a big <laughs> deal. Like, cool. I can't imagine Nickelodeon doing that now or Cartoon Network doing that now. We're, we'll let you decide. It's like... Because, again, that could so easily be manipulated by us. Th there's a... Um... So there's a comic series that I know Ben's familiar with because I've made him um, called The Legion of Superheroes. And every year they hold an election within the superhero team to see who's going to be their leader. And they let the fans vote on that. And they have to just oh. make the stories work. 
I didn't realize that. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a long-standing tradition. And like one time it really backfired cuz they like the people voted in to be leader the like superpower guy who then also became a green lantern and like stormed off into space and they're like we want him. And they're like god, we have to rewrite like everything that we had planned to make this work. They did that on The Simpsons. I remember this. I'm remembering this now. They did that on Simpsons where it's like, should we have Ned Flanders marry Edna Krabappel? Oh, and yeah. They, they, <laughs> I don't remember Yeah, this was that. pretty recent. Which This is in the not good era of The Simpsons. That tainted past. This is in the not good era. This is in the modern Simpsons era where it's like, can we end this now, please? Uh, no. Unholy union. And so they do it. And then, she, then uh, the actress who played Edna Krabappel died not long thereafter. So it was really kind of a wash. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't remember any of that. This was like 2012, um, I think. So I do like that they do this sometimes uh, in comics and in cartoons. Like the whole thing about like, hey, kids, do you like Robin enough to have him not die? And they're like, no, kill him. And then they just do <laughs> we that. We lost a lot of good Robins that way. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's very efficient and it's very trusting to your audience to know what they want. I, it can sometimes lead to stuff that's not particularly marketable which i think is what happened here like this is kind of a flash in the pan interesting at the time and there is some cool stuff about it but it really doesn't have enough heart yeah this is cartoon network we we said in the waning era but if you remember cartoon network in like the 90s it was basically the we're gonna run rerun scooby-doo channel Let's, let's call really it I, I do remember a lot once, of 13 Once ghosts. you hit like 96, 97, you've got a huge rush of talent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so it's interesting. And the this, animation renaissance would happen in like the early to mid thousands. Mm-hmm. So. It, it is interesting, though, that this show, you know, like we said, it takes place in the 80s and conceptually has a, a, a population that has robots integrated with it. And they do nothing with that and Mm -hmm. so it's just like a kids in middle school show with more annoying voices and i think that's why like nobody really connected with it because it it wasn't really the things it was claiming to try to do it wasn't really doing i there's there's kind of a i i was trying to figure out what kind of show this was and I, i was trying to relate it to a bunch of other you know shows of of the time or of slightly later like um oh it's like a three-man group the main kid is a big old nerd uh and doesn't get along well with others what about a fairly odd parents what about a jimmy neutron um i eventually realized that it was much more akin to invader zim than anything else yeah i mean it 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 follows the like sci-fi new world kind of uh uh, convention of we have one character who doesn't understand how the world works and they have everything explained to them Mm -hmm. but it's like our real world being explained to a non-human entity in a way that is not particularly, like, compelling. Yeah. I think it's because of the weakness of the main character. Mm. Like, I think that a, that a Richard Stephen Horowitz, like, trying to minutia, like, trying to tweak all of these human weird, you know, just, just, uh, just quirks mm-hmm. and trying to make them into world domination, that's very compelling and funny mm-hmm. because... They're like, uh, how is he going to manipulate the notion of having napkins to trying to like create a massive like weapon of destruction? That that's funny on its face. Napkins. When you, yeah. But you have like the the plot construction of whatever happened to Robot Jones. It's always like, 
all right, son, here's an aspect of human society. Go research it and report back. Mm -hmm. For what reason? We don't know. To what end in your personal development? Pretty much none. You're just carrying the plot and not really a character on your own. And so, like, gonna, yeah. it's the, the construction of it is pretty similar in that it's naive protagonist who is an alien being explained the way that humans is. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, that's where it ends. That's well, where the yeah. similarity. Be, well, and it's also grotesque. To be fair, to the writing at. is bad too, mm-hmm. because yes. he, like he doesn't understand something, he'll take it too literally, or he will like gather, be focusing on the wrong thing, and someone it's will bazooka like, joke comic go, yeah. jokes. Someone will make fun of him or say that he's got it wrong, and they don't like commit to that. They don't mm-hmm. like commit to him like figuring it out or learning mm-hmm. something or or going in a big direction. They kind mm-hmm. of like. It's a step toward conflict and a step away. They don't really go toward either extreme. There's a... Uh, a yeah. It's very safe for a robot it's in, it's, in, in school kind of it's show. It's safer than a Deke show, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> Deke was extremely well, it's, safe. It's not... It doesn't look particularly... like it, yeah. I, I don't know if you got the same impression. It doesn't look cheap to me, is the thing. Like It, it looks to me like... This it looks stylized. It, to it's me. a deliberate aesthetic, yeah. and I think that we yes. should talk about yeah. it because it's the main thing yeah. that yes. distinguishes this point, show yeah. from its contemporaries. Probably um, the yeah. only thing, so, to be honest. <laughs> so this well, was, it's also got terrible voices. Yeah, which we will get to. <laughs> if you can even call them that. Mm-hmm. So, so this is one of the last Cartoon Network shows to use uh, traditional cell animation before moving to digital uh, materials. Uh, you know that other cartoons did. Uh, and it was done in the style of Schoolhouse Rock yep. is, is a deliberate uh, mentioned influence, which, you know, if you've ever gone it back and really looked, reads. Yeah, it's like it's meant to be accessible and replicable by somebody doodling in their notebook. Yeah. I'm just a bot. Yes, <laughs> I'm only a bot. <laughs> that was one. Of, I remember that Schoolhouse Rock episode where they taught us about robotics. Mm. That was the 70s. But yeah, this, <laughs> I think this was that, that the... That weird bit where they went to Cornell. I don't know. I, I, I'm about to make a very bold claim. I think this was the last American-made cartoon to use cells, to use hand paint. Hmm. And if you're... What a, I, what I a way to go know. out on. Yeah. And I, yeah. the reason I remember this is because I remember with The Simpsons, is we're going back to The Simpsons, we're having a great time talking about shows that aren't Robot Jones on this Robot Jones podcast. Well, I like The Simpsons. Uh, yeah, they were the, a big part of I Love the 90s. One of the big... They actually didn't talk... Well, no, they didn't talk about The Simpsons on I Love the 90s for whatever strange reason. I'm shocked. The other, you know the other one? They, they had their own show You know the, the other Simpsons. one they didn't talk about that I'm like, how the hell did you do two I Love the 90s and you never talked... How the hell did they never talk about Blue's Clues? That's like... Oh, well... That's like the most <laughs> 90s thing ever. I and mean, they you know, the, was Weird out watching Blue's Clues? And they own the rights to it. But it's like, so there's so much material to make fun of with Blue's Clues, but I digress. Um, uh, where was I going? Um, the animation. Well, so Simpsons, if you remember in 2000, they had to go from hand-painted cells to digital ink paint. And originally, they, they did like a few digital episodes in like the 90s. Era Simpsons. Just trying it out. And they were like, we hate this. Because, and I remember, the thing I remember standing out was because they had Bart... They wanted Bart was angry that he was short, and so he wanted to look taller. So the the idea was Bart put on a suit with like vertical lines on it to make himself look taller. And mm-hmm. originally it was supposed to it was supposed to just be the jacket of the suit, but the digital ink and color painted the pants that way too. Nice. And I think they were also supposed to just be shorts he was wearing, but they made them pants because shorts I guess make you look taller. Uh, Bart wearing pants sounds insane yeah. <laughs> and so they were like I, yeah. I can't picture it in my head so they were like we're not going to do this again and then it, but eventually it got to a point where they had no choice everybody who was doing 
the, all the good people who were doing hand painted, they all left to go mm -hmm. to digital, and so they had no choice. There's always resistance in the industry by whatever professionals kind of have the territory yeah. mapped out already, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with you, Zane, that this does give a very doodling during math class kind of aesthetic. Like, all the backgrounds are awesome. I love the background work in this. I thought you might. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, everything is very um, just sparse, like sparsely populated. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of felt like Ed and Eddie, where like, there's just like a splash of color here and there and outlines of a bunch of lockers and like a door. And then it, it suggests rather, the area. Mm -hmm. It suggests the area with, like, a little bit of articulation. So you'll yeah, have, like, a tree with, with a bunch of color and then, like, a few leaves on it. Mm -hmm. In this show, you have a floor with, like, a couple of tiles and then just, like, a bunch of chicken scratch on it to, like, <laughs> give you the impression of, yeah, this is lived-in school territory. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's super cool. And that's a lot such of a good style. They don't, they don't even color it in. Yeah. Like, color is reserved for <laughs> foreground characters and relevant background Colors elements. are reserved for <laughs> mid-episode uh you know robot freak out uh jazz ensemble yep. it's called Pieces. they're called spaztronics mm -hmm. okay um, can we say spaztronics is that politically incorrect i, I i'm almost up. certain okay. it is all right yes. well i'm going to say <laughs> Cut it that out okay I'll, I'll just dub your voice saying it oh cool Yay. <laughs> um, rather than dub his voice saying it why don't you instead um uh, use a Microsoft Word ninety eight text to speech function. I looked. I looked into finding because wouldn't it be cool if we actually got the star? This would be so cool. Wouldn't it be cool if we got the star of the cartoon to come on the cartoon cast? That would be like such a big deal. But <laughs> alas, I could not find the ninety eight Microsoft. I Word. cannot believe Hello, the podcasters. choice. Yeah. I am it's... here in studio to oh let you God. know that I love your work. Wow! <laughs> I, Thanks, nineteen ninety eight text to speech. The notion of using. <laughs> this weird, outdated technology to give it an uncanny valley, the times, like, real anachronistic feel to have a text-to-speech function from Microsoft Word 98, of all things. It's unlistenable. Did you watch... Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm glad you... It, it is impossible to listen to for a long I'm, period of time. I'm glad you said that because I was worried that I was going to be coming in here saying, boy, I think they made... The, I thought I was the only one that was going to be saying, I think they made the right call when they switched to an actual kid. To do the voice. Uh, well, I I didn't hear the actual kid, so the kid I have with no the idea how that amazing name of Bobby Block. Block. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a robot. That child sounds so actor. fake. Sounds like one of the bad guys from Gumby. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the We're things that they so first season. So the pilot looks extremely amateurish yeah. by general which is standards. understandable. It's a pilot. It happens. There's plenty of pilots that we of shows that we love that look crap. We'll say that. The Simpsons. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the the first season to the second season mm -hmm. looks and sounds very different. It's much more professional looking. It it feels more like that deliberate aesthetic rather than a cost cutting measure in terms of the animation. Mm -hmm. um, but it does feel a little less distinctive for that reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't even see anything in the second season, so I'll, I'll take your word uh, on it. To me, it's pretty much the same as the first. Other than I think they made the right call, changing the voice. I, I read somewhere that people were like, oh, why did you change the voice? I'll be blunt. I don't think... Did you yeah. listen to their original voice? <laughs> I didn't. I don't think they were actually... I don't, I think this feels like something where it's like one guy wrote something on Wikipedia and then people just copied it to make their 
to make their 107 facts I, video sound people better. don't like things that change yeah. people don't like it when voice actors change people don't like it when she-ra has titties or doesn't have titties rather mm-hmm. people don't people don't like anything being different from how they remembered it uh i'm surprised yeah. there was enough nostalgia in the tank for the first season of whatever happened to robot jones by the time the second season <laughs> came out I, okay i have a theory i don't think there ever was a second season i think it was one season that they cut in half and they've aired like the first six because Cartoon Network did this, where they'd air like a couple and then they would like rerun them. I think they aired them because I, I, I wait for the manga to catch up. <laughs> I have this. Well, well no. So, so I believe what happened was it was two seasons, but they only aired one of them over here. I don't think that, I, th- I only see. The I think one. they planned two seasons. I think they only made one completed season. I think they. Only but there's made such one. a there's such a change in quality from first to second. I didn't know what I like. Maybe I'm maybe I need to get my eyes checked again. I know I've been rubbing them a lot, but I didn't see any <laughs> noticeable differences. I was just like the first looks the same. Second verse, they, same they, as the they first. They used colors. They they used colors that looked like they belonged on a TV screen instead of out of a Crayola box. What are you talking it, about? It's so pastel. <laughs> it it's so the, gross. And it also pastel. I, I want to say this. It may be the the things were like the the edits that we're watching because they do. Spoiler alert for for the world. Sometimes they change these things, like they did with this, where they went back and they had the kid who dubbed the second season mm-hmm. had him redub the first because I distinct. <clears throat> So the thing yep. the thing I was going to lead with was you guys were going to say like so Josh what are your memories of this show Josh, what are your okay. memories? That's a that's a great point, Josh. Can I just say? What a great what a great question that we should have okay. asked. What a what a good thing for a yes. host it's to do at the as office. though we for some reason yeah. got knocked into three or four different tangents and couldn't actually get so, started in the proper way. So, here's the thing. I remember that I have memories of this show. That's pretty much it. I'm almost in the same territory. Like I remember that I had memories of what? Uh, not not whatever happened to Jenny. Um, the the my the, life, my life a teenage, teenage robot. robot. But I don't remember specifics from episodes from like I can I think about specifics from Johnny Bravo uh, as an adult, and not merely because we rewatched it in order to do an episode on it. But I'll have like play-by-play, step-by-step instructions of how each episode went. I have none of that for Jenny, but I do remember having memories of it. Yeah, so I, I get what you mean. You, I remember yeah. seeing the pilot of this one, but yeah. I don't think they actually aired it at a, like, reasonable time. They, uh, let me see. They did a bunch of these pilots. They did, like, 20 of them, and again, we were all supposed to vote, and they did a crap ton of them. And I think they may have done it again. I think Codename Kid Next Door won it the second time. I could be wrong. I, I, I think you're right that it won something yeah. because I, I do distinctly remember us and talking I, about that when we did that. I episode. remember, I remember. So one of the things I do remember about Robot Jones is I do remember watching episodes with the robot voice originally doing it, and I know that they went back in and redubbed that first season and reran them very shortly after the first season aired. I, I, I read that they also redubbed the first season, but it was but, very, um, yeah. it was a very I, quick turnaround. I remember that. That 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 tracks. Maybe it didn't play well with audiences, which I'm not surprised mm-hmm. by because like let, let's let's look at the mm-hmm. construction of a kids cartoon show. Uh, if you're gonna be in school, you probably want something like a little <clears throat> bit relatable while still being silly. Mm-hmm. So like I think Doug kind of fits yeah. the mold. Um, to a lesser extent, we have like um, I don't know, uh, fairly odd parents, but that's not really in school. Hey Arnold. I, hey, I think Doug, yeah, uh, that's not really in school. I'm, yeah, specifically, think, oh. like, the school-type okay. thing, you want a core cast that is relatable and quirky, kind of a recess mm-hmm. cast. Um, 
this yeah. th- this cast is just really unlikable for mm-hmm. a but I don't I don't and, and unrelatable. I don't know that you don't like. I don't know that it's not like you don't like. It's not like you hate them. You just there's nothing I can really. I, I, I oh well, okay, maybe you do because I, I know when, that when you're yeah. doing when you're doing okay. an '80s like coming of age uh, high school comedy thing, mm-hmm. you want. To empathize with the characters, and maybe they make a mistake. Oh, I, I'm going to betray my friends and hang out with the cool kids as an episode thing, and then we make it up. Yeah. No, they're all assholes. Yeah. They're all terrible and unlikable. Friends, the they're, cartoon. I did like young, positive Beavis and Butthead. Mm. I did like those kids. The uh, young, <laughs> the, positive. The, the, the snake Ogman? people? The Ogmans? Yeah. <laughs> not not the, Yog- the Ogmans. Are okay. Which, which ones? Which ones? Uh, his friends? I'm trying to remember. The yeah, sco- yeah. Scopes and scopes and ropes. Yeah, cube and like cube and Mitt. like fecklebrow. It, it they're like Socks, just a couple idiotic, Socks. good-natured idiots. Mitch, like I have Mitch's hair right now. So if kids, want oh to man, know. I love Mitch. Yeah. I love the it, like they're and they say zombies yeah. as though that's like a, a cool term to like describe something neato that happens. It's like they're, they're jinkies. They're trying to remake '80s slang without using actual '80s slang. Hmm. It feels very rocket yeah. power when they talk, mm-hmm. but I like them because they're kind of just chill idiots. Yeah. Do you remember in Pelswick that like yes. Pelswick had something going on, and like <laughs> so does Robot Jones. It's not particularly interesting, but he's got a life. Mm-hmm. And then he just had his head, like these dopey <laughs> grinny hangers on. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just there to be chill. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I did, I did kind of like them. He <laughs> had the, I, his chill hangers I, on. Like, yeah, he had the smart friend, and then he had the. Which do we all have this? Like our. He didn't have the smart friend, the s- and that's what I really slightly liked about elevated, it. Let me rephrase. He had the slightly elevated IQ. He had, a, he had the he IQ spoke that was high. Complete sentences. No, guy. they're all idiots. Well, that's the thing about the three Stooges. All three Stooges were big fat idiots. Mo was just slightly smarter than the other two Stooges. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mo had a low cunning. Yeah. He had a he had a he had a beast's cunning. Yeah. <laughs> like you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to meet a Mo in the tall grass. He's he's not going to do your taxes, but he'll like you know. <laughs> he'll poison. He'll poison the uh, Mulligatani snoo when you're not looking. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I don't know. By the way, so- I don't know why I was just fascinated with the fact that Socks is like nine feet tall. Yeah, when, is he when the, you do the, the, the blonde haired one? He's the doughy blonde, yeah. right? Do we know? Yeah, they were all pretty hard to look at. Do we at. know the guy who voiced him? Because this is a call. I didn't back. look it up. Okay, so he's voiced by Kyle Sullivan. Uh, and uh, he'll be a little bit of a memory of it. Remember Jimmy Olsen from Fillmore? I, I I recall that there was a Kyle Sullivan in Fillmore, but I do not recall the point the the the, the guy who it was. <laughs> he was the unfunny comic relief character in Fillmore. Oh, gross! Yeah, and the, no, thank you. The one who got hurt a lot. Yeah, the camera guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the guy with the uh, hair in front of his face, Mitch. but he's voiced by uh, Gary Leroy Gray, yeah. who is AJ on Fairly Odd Parents, and apparently was the kid from the Huxtables. I think it's cool that they have a black kid voicing a white character. You don't see it a lot. It's which now, very progressive. Now that, well, now, again, I, I, mean, I don't want to get into the whole Apu thing, but I think it's kind Oh, of, we're talking about The Simpsons again? Yeah! Like, let's get into, <laughs> let's get into uh, Asian face. Uh God, I want I want to like Hank Azaria though. Is the thing you you still can remember yeah. uh, Doc Brown? Didn't he play that? He's still voicing other racist characters on the show. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, I'm sure he is. God, this is such a hard yeah. age to enjoy actors yeah. and comedians and not yeah. 
hate yourself for it. Like I, I don't know. I'm just coming off of like the. I'm, I'm. I've got a bunch of, uh, you know, Newsweek fatigue from like reading a bunch of articles on Dave Chappelle, and it's just like making me feel grody all over. I don't even know what. Yeah, Dave Chappelle I, I'm did. glad that I long ago decided like, oh, death of the author, great, yep. good, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed. I'm allowed to like a thing without liking the. Uh, person who well, you created it. You well, haven't we, been. We kind of went over that with um, Sita sings the blues, yeah. right? Oh yeah, yeah. You guys, ha- you guys haven't been in the whole Jeopardy hell for the past few months, have you? Oh, yeah. oh. When, 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 um, when Watson promoted himself to become the no. uh, dude. That's actually brilliant. Why didn't we they get Robot Watson? Jones Jeopardy? Why didn't they get? Yeah, why, why not? Didn't they get Watson? That would have been better. It would have appeased. No, all I, I do remember the controversy of like the executive yeah. like promoting himself after doing the talent screen, the irony, and he was just yeah. the blandest piece of toast you've ever seen. The, the veneer <laughs> yeah. of legitimacy that that affords the irony being that if he had not if he just like if he hosts one week and then i don't know my Bialik gets the job that he still probably has a job right now but the fact that he elevated himself cost him not only the job as a host but cost him the job as the ep but the 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 lesson for real modern times is the same as the lesson from mr roboto's ideal of modern times which is don't draw attention to yourself under any circumstances nothing good's gonna come of it yep but again, like um, I, I don't know. Hey, so yeah, yeah. remember when so everybody these, was so these... remember when everybody was pissed that they didn't hire an actual kid to play the kid on Robot Jones, and there was a big scurry, so they had to replace the actor mid season. Remember that the the actor? Yeah, you mean the text yeah. speech? I'm doing a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, so so we got these three little nerdlingers uh, who who pal around with Robot Jones. I don't like them because I think they did one of the best representations of actual middle school boys that I've ever seen in a show. Like, it's too Oh, I was kind of in... Well, it wasn't real to me just because... Like, they really felt like young, positive Beavis and Butthead to Mm -hmm. where, like, they're just kind of in their counterculture, but they're not, like... uh, gatekeeping people out of it like they're they're nice to robots yeah they, they they're nice to Jones. Jones. they're like oh they're like, he's having a hard time he's one of the nerds bring him in yo bro you want to yeah. you want to slam some monkey kong 64 or whatever like they they're just kind of chill yeah <laughs> i don't they, know i really like that it wasn't abrasive like i find most middle school representation did you watch I, the, I found them abrasive when they start like you know they're, they're just very keyed into the social politics of like everybody stay in your lane don't interact with the girls you know oh those people are gross don't talk to them it, it felt very um you know like they, they don't really question their own social stuff which like i feel like robot jones is a show in a place where it could yeah i i think they're an appropriate counterpoint to like the naivete of robot trying to navigate the complex yeah, social like vagaries like they know how it works yeah. but they don't know why yeah, the, yeah if they all didn't know what to do that that'd be a little bit <laughs> jarring they're the friends that we had as kids who were like when we were stupid idiots and by we i mean me because everyone else was smarter than me uh oh also me uh like they're the kids like they knew more than we did but not a whole lot more than we did <laughs> they were confident well i i think that it's useful to only have one guy bumbling around the yeah. um the, the the wilderness that is the social hierarchy of middle right. school like i think that actually is a good idea mm-hmm. because all our plot is instigated by this guy doesn't know why he's a nerd yeah i mean and that, that doesn't go anywhere fun but like at least it's consistent One, like it would just be kind of messy if everyone was one in thing that. i do like about this show and about the art something about the style is uh the kids on it maybe this is a maybe this is you guys won't agree with 
none none of the kids on it, none of the characters on it are classically good looking characters. Like there's no oh they're grotesque, yeah, but, none of the, but there's not like like on you know yeah like, they, they did they did a big mouth like on Robot Jones oh, they, they, did, they did an invaders in yeah like none of the characters look and again usually when you have this you always have at least like one character who objectively is good looking like even on even on like uh, My Life Teenage Robot which I think is superior to this like you have mm-hmm. the yes. you have the characters that do look objectively good Jenny yeah. at least looks kept well he's like Brad you know <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> she looks like. Mm-hmm. Laundered, and it, like, yeah. somebody you know? tried. And on this show, on this show, we have, <laughs> yeah. we actually have what? Because let's be honest, when we were in middle school, everyone looked ugly, and anybody who oh, says otherwise is lying. The, it's it goes beyond ugly. Like everyone is yeah. asymmetric mm-hmm. in their hygiene routine, <laughs> yeah. and that is like the Yogman twins with the one square tooth mm-hmm. and one chip tooth is. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> nails on a chalkboard for my eyes. I love the the one kid, the tall guy, socks. Uh, we we have an episode that's mostly spent in like the bathroom and they're like t- talking about like boys and girls and like oh, bathroom yeah. politics the, the gender episode and this kid spends two-thirds of the show trying in the to... mirror oh, squeezing a white head on his forehead and then you know cut to next day and he's got a band-aid there mm-hmm. but they're like that's that's what he's doing this episode <laughs> that's his contribution i kind of love the background the background jokes in this are not bad yeah. mm-hmm. i'll agree with that uh that they, they it does see that's why I say it doesn't look cheap is because they do seem to focus a lot of effort on making funny things happen around. Um, there was one episode I saw where uh, Robot Jones was mourning the death of his beloved uh, vacuum cleaner friend oh, yeah. that he tried to like yeah. walk through school or whatever <laughs> because he unplugged it from the extension cord outlet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And as he's like doing this, um, you know, this Shakespearean tragedy soliloquy over this vacuum cleaner, there's this, you know, Nelson Muntz character that just comes up with his freckles and and rosaria face and like a rosacea face and and just like starts pointing and laughing. And then these three (laughs) birds come along, take his glasses, take him and just fucking rock it off screen. That comes back in two separate background instances. You are seeing these birds carrying this kid who happened to laugh at it. Like... I feel like there's backstory. I want to kind of, no yeah. show. I kind of want to know. It's one of those things you want to know what the backstory is of this kid. Like, did he go on some kind of like you know, oh, the world you'll see adventure after this? Like, what the hell? And there's. I another... want to know how late into the episode that got added. Yeah. Like, right. was it like it's not a funny enough situation? To have someone throwing pies in the background, kind of thing. Right, like right. where it just it needs more happening. I mean, like the janitor. The stuff at the foreground is often very not funny and like cringeworthy. Um, yeah, watching him oh. try to navigate things and doing such a bad job. There's an episode where they play hooky. It's the typical hooky episode. They play hooky by the end Classic of it. Classic plot. So they go to the arcade and like someone like their principal shows up trying to catch them. And they, oh, it's Ferris Bueller. Yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly what it's a Ferris Bueller parody. And they they have 15 cents left because someone hawked their last five dollars. Long story. Uh, so they have 15 cents, and so they're like, "Where do we go? What do we do? What do we hide?" And they go behind the convenience store. And there's a, you know, those, the ice thing you, you open up to get the ice out of that's like outside the mm-hmm. store. They buy. There, there's one there, and you hear a voice that says, "Can I have you guys got like they he's like lets them into this thing," and it's the most bizarre thing to see. And it turns out, like we see it, we finally see this mysterious character. It's a yeti. <laughs> it's a yeti that cool. lives in yeah, the. That's where he would it's be. It's a yeti that lives in this ice thing, this ice chest. That, that lets them yeah, hide their... the, the funny parts of this show are not 
the plot of it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and what is it's, go ahead? Yeah. But but what is this world they're building? Exactly. Because I feel like they just keep adding more ontological details and resolving none of them. And it's a problem with. Can yeah. I say I actually love this world? Like the, the whole retrofuturism thing is so good here because here you have something like a, a show that's very clearly embellished with the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like people wearing ridiculous like uh plaid all the time you have mm-hmm. a rubik's cube fad mm-hmm. you have there's a bunch of episodes that are like ping pong and pac-man make you know regular appearances as the video games that they want to play the augments are wearing um, the devo uh the augments are oh, wearing yeah. the uh is that the what energy that dome hats from the uh, the devo freedom of choice era that, that's what they're wearing how amazing would it have been if they like switched it up to flock yeah. of seagulls yeah and then like you know went to depeche mode hairstyles like this is where you put in a devo yeah. song by the way that i'll give you later uh they're wearing yeah, it's just gonna be nice. with it they, no no you gotta that's too obvious do, do it's gonna be the richard cheese parody version of with just it. because so many of things do girl you want because we're talking about a girl you that robot John Wants in a few seconds. Uh, we're we're oh, talking okay. about Whip It because that's the best song ever written. No, it's not. A, a beautiful world. I, I think Beautiful World's better. I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're talking about Devo, the band Devo, which uh, Devo stood for Devolution. They were a band that you know regressed back in time and uh, had a song called Jocko Homo, where they basically spelled out who they were. Yeah, we're not men. We are Devo. Are we not men? We are Devo. You know. So we have yeah. the Mark Mothersbaugh. Rugrats, and then Mark Mothersbaugh pre-Rugrats music career, you know, band of the Devo. Uh, I'm, I'm going to help Ben out by just saying, Ben, it was a whole thing. I, and you got to yeah. watch a Devo video at some point, by the way, before the end of this. I'm, uh, I'm okay. Which, the 80s. So uh, the other reason I wanted to do this is there's <laughs> a... There, so I loved the VH1, I love the 80s specials they did, where they would literally just have I can see a that. bunch of comedians sitting in chairs in front of green construction paper and then they would say, "Hey, do you remember the, do you remember the movie Tron?" And then they would crack jokes about Tron and crack it, and they'd score it with actual '80s music because VH1 used to not suck. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you'd have like, but you'd have like this oh, horrible joke. Should I tell you this? Yeah, why not? Uh, do you remember? 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 <laughs> this is just, always a flip. Some of these, some of these music things are just like really tactful and tasteful. Uh, 1983. We talked about Jerry Falwell earlier. Um, he got sued by Larry, or Larry? No, he sued Larry Flint. Larry Flint published a, something. The Hustler. The Hustler. He published a thing in The Hustler that was basically like Jerry Falwell's first time with a woman. That basically claimed that Jerry <laughs> Falwell's first time was with his mom in an outhouse. And it was the sp- and so they're talking about this on I Love the 80s. And they talk about it and you know, all the positive things. At the end of it, they it's like they have, you know, talking about how Larry Flint persevered and made it through the situation and did all that great, you know, made it through. What a and hero. And in order to... It, in order to accentuate the fact that Larry Flint is doing all right and he's made it through this, they play Elton John's I'm Still Standing, which is hilarious when you remember that Larry Flint has been in a wheelchair for the past 20 years. Not great. Oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic burn. As it turns out, not so great. But you got him. There's a, I love those. I love the 80s. The good ones. Don't watch the I love the 2000s. That one sucked. Uh, I love the '80s. Oh, could you do like a? Could you do like an I love the XDs like tier list video for your channel? Sure. I actually have all the intros on my channel, like uh, all the good ones of the intros to the I love the '80s. So you can hear the I love the '80s theme. You can see the I love the '80s introductory theme songs, like I love the '80s. Hi, uh, and then if you've never seen these, they are surprisingly wild. Isn't that the good. um? Isn't isn't I love the are you you're talking about the you're talking about Josh's videos not the I love the eighties no show. no no I love the eighties no the I, I'm talking I about the I love the eighties isn't that Mine the one with too. the dancing baby 
No, that's that's actually well, that's I love the '90s, but that's actually from that's from. Um, Wiggle it. Allie, Mc, Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal is where it first came out. That oh. dancing baby. Because Allie McBeal was this character in the 90s when they did it. Really? Yeah, and I love the 90s. Allie McBeal, she'd constantly see this baby dancing because she was worried about, can I have a baby still? Should I still have a baby? Like, oh, psychosis. And so, she, she hallucinated. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then the baby became kind of like its own like pop icon. And so that's why he's in the show. I, I so had no idea that. where like the, that baby came from. I just, thought he was, toasters. I just thought he was the dancing music baby. Which it sounds yeah, like is these, a better... These are just gifts that the internet gave us early on. Like the flying time when that's memes they used that didn't too. have a clear origin. Yeah. But, um... All right. No, but the, oh, we're going to recenter now. Well, no, because what I want to do is... So there's a... We're going to recenter in a minute, There's I guess. a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode called Hobgoblins. And it was made in the 1980s. And people who know this episode know the joke I'm about to make, where it's, it's made in the 80s. It's about... It's like a bad Gremlins ripoff. We actually interviewed the director a long time ago. Uh, really nice guy who thinks very highly of himself, but regardless. Uh, and they're they're trying to hunt down the hobgoblins, and it cuts to the lamest dance scene you have ever seen in your life. Three people, bar. three people in a room, not unlike this one, with a flashing light, like like. Listener, imagine yeah. a room. Yeah. <laughs> the fl- like a white room, with, but it's like a white room with like furniture, like like the most boring room ever. And flashing with like generic '80s music that was gotten don't from. Don't sell yourself short. I kind of like the layout. Well, thank you. But like generic. Imagine a room with a view and a nice layout. With a generic. It's just because I have to put framed pictures up, and he has them, and it makes me feel, feel uh, like uh, like a bad homeowner. Oh, I gotta do my I gotta do my ultra nerd thing in a few minutes. The really nerdy thing. Oh no, uh, that's but... okay. You're, okay. you're we're um, full up. Well, you, you're just because of that guy. You're just still enamored. <laughs> it down. You're just still enamored with him. With the, with the I, I do love your Sonic Heroes stand up. Thank you. I should have gotten the smaller one because it's easier to transport. But regardless, um, <laughs> where do you need to transport it? Well, when I move, <laughs> I'm like, sorry. It has not moved since I've what, met you. you. Like, take it camping? What's going on? <laughs> okay. Sonic the coolest thing. Heroes. The coolest thing about it. No, the coolest thing about it. <laughs> He's on the move. It wibbles. Oh, it wibbles. Uh, yeah. Indeed it um, did. Listener, imagine a wibbling Sonic Heroes yeah. cutout. Um, okay, so the lamest dance sequence you've ever seen in your life with generic 80s music that was gotten from a production library. And they're dancing mm-hmm. to this, and Mike Nelson gives the riff of all riffs, which is, It's the 80s, do a lot of coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and I, yeah. Those were the main things. And we were so in love, because again, he just summed up the 80s in one riff. And I was so in love with that, that I rewrote that song for a bunch of different decades. And by rewrote, <laughs> I mean I changed the decade, the illicit substance, and the elected official. So, you know, <laughs> it's the 60s, take a lot of acid and vote for Richard Nixon. <laughs> I, I one day hope to be as driven by my own personal passions as you are. I should say it, that it, it only it's took a thing like, to see. It only took like like less than two minutes to rewrite all of them because it's literally just change a decade a drug. Well, you didn't even change the melody. It's, it's literally still eighties music. Only instead, you know, now we're singing. It's the twenties. Vote for Warren Harding and drink a lot of moonshine. So. <laughs> uh, so <sighs> so I will give you the riff. So robot. Jones. Yeah, where where <laughs> are we exactly? I appreciated the digression. Actually. Yeah, I didn't That's know where to go. It's nice to see somebody of, living their best I life. I warned you ahead of time. I said I apologize in advance if this turns into let's talk about the eighties. That is that is okay. <laughs> I mean, like 
yeah, we, we knew what we were getting into. We've 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 met you. Um, I just I just don't think I've ever seen anybody actually like living their best life before. Yeah, just in real time. <laughs> like, here it is. This is what it looks like. I now have a, an example to point to. I can I start us off with a new thing. Okay. Uh, let's go back into like I'm not interested in the characters particularly. I think they're in general pretty weak. Um, mm-hmm. Not even Sharon. Not even Shannon or. Mr. No, Shannon. Shannon is Great Alyle, which is her sole defining characteristic, as I understand. Um, the Yogman yeah, twins she... are just horrible villains that, I, in my opinion, do not need to exist. They are there to make a plot happen in a bad way. What about his math teacher? Yeah, the, you, yeah. for villains that aren't authority figures, yeah. like we need actual menacing middle schoolers. Yeah, no they're only things. in like four, they're only in like four shows. I don't need. I don't really need them. But um, Josh Peck was the older Yogman. No one cares but Josh M. So. Hmm. All everybody in the world named Josh can do that voice. So, so <laughs> oh, that's that's good to know. Yep, <laughs> it's a freebie. Well, I I want to just um, jump into ahead. like what I think is a more productive area of discussion, which is um, the animation in particular, the color and abstract nature of a lot of it. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but for a lot of like reaction shots, wherein. Robot Jones comes into contact with water or electricity on a pretty frequent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And even when he doesn't, there is occasion when, like, things happen such that he must emote largely. And when that happens, I found the backgrounds becoming very, like, amorphous or abstract. Like, they look like Jackson mm-hmm. Pollock paintings almost. Um, or, yeah. like, cubism or something. Um, I, I know I'm getting all the, the, the artists wrong, but, like, a lot of it, it becomes very, like, right angles and primary colors in a really weird way. Yeah, he shorts out, and you, you it, um, you know, it conveys that aesthetically. Like, when he gets embarrassed thinking about asking Shannon out, the background goes to this, like, brown splotchy design, like, browns on different mm-hmm. browns. And that background stays behind him even when he's not taking up the whole frame. So you've got like this school set and this robot child and this black or like brown splotchy thing just like slightly larger than him around him. It it feels very dreamlike in a lot of these shots because there is so little consistency to the backgrounds. Like the backgrounds, Mm -hmm. even when they are just sparsely populated, you know, uh, hallway in a school there will be like a reaction shot wherein the background is now yellow and then it persists being yellow and like it doesn't change back for whatever reason there doesn't seem to be any sort of like light source that would cause it to do that it's just it's a suggestion that they it's it's as if the world is being viewed by a robot that is shorting (laughs) yeah it it actually is kind of like that (laughs) and i also really like that there's just, like, a lot of weird, like, gifts and punctuation in the background. Like I was saying, it, it, there's not objects a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, feelings and expressions. And <laughs> that is a, that is a difference. I, I won't say that yeah. it's, like, completely good effective, or, yeah. but it's different and noticeable. It's not good yeah. or bad. It just is. It, it definitely good, is, yeah. but it's, it, it is loudly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this unique art style that's, like, not overly complex the sparseness of it and the roughness of it it lets them get away with otherwise difficult stylistic things like in like they're they're doing a scene transition from at home to school mm-hmm. and instead of cutting from one to the other the screen fills up with small colored cubes they love cubes in the transitions yeah. in this it, it's like a row of monitors and jones walks out from the side 
of the cubes into the school. And there's a couple cubes like trailing off into the school. Mm-hmm. And in the school, the, the people who are not moving, they're just like static people. Well, some of them are in the foreground, but yeah, they, they have word balloons saying like dang or hey or, you know, whatever. And some of the word balloons are getting cut off by the scene transition. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, very, it makes me think that, um, it makes me think that the guy who did this, like, had a lot of, and it wouldn't surprise me considering he worked on Dexter's Lab and, and uh, Powerpuff Girls, that a lot of his training comes from experiences reading a lot of cartoon strips. Like, you know, the whole, sure. the city of Townsville, like that looks mm-hmm. like a splash image sort of mm-hmm. shot. A lot of this feels like a moving comic. This feels mm-hmm. like it was a newspaper comic that got, that someone accidentally animated one day. Yeah, like what if Doonesbury was less edgy? And Doonesbury, a did have a, Doonesbury did have an animated special, so it is opt for the carton cast someday. You're kidding. Ooh. No, it, it's out there. I don't know if you can find it, but is, I've seen it. Is it recent? Because I can imagine 80, talking 82, about like... I think. 82, I think. Ooh, that is a spicy one. I want... Man, that Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Dang old. Uh, um, so, yeah. I, also, the uh, music pity, piggybacks on the idea by going along for the ride for a lot of these transitions. Because, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of fits whatever moment we're in. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of the time when the Beavis and Butthead characters are, like, front and center helping Jones out, it switches to, like, decent guitar riffs which I, I don't hate. It, they're, they're also represented in the intro, I think, the, the, the guitarist. Yeah, so, so there is an omnipresent garage band playing guitar throughout the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just vamping mm-hmm. at a... At, and here's the thing. It's at a level at or above the level of sound of the characters mm-hmm. most of the time. Like, it's 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 pretty oh, aggressive you, you mean for, the mixing? for as bland as it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, just like the sound level huh. of it. It's noticeable. It's not like, because again, they say good sound mixing is you don't, no- like good background music is you don't notice it. I think which, I didn't I, notice it because I, don't agree with I that, but... preferred it to the dialogue. Oh, yeah. sure. So yeah, it was easier true. to like, uh, that. it just kind of brought the level of the room up a bit. I remember, but just like yeah. how much of your watching experience is accompanied by the like, yeah, it goes nowhere. It's like I'm waiting for this riff. Can we start the song now, please? <laughs> can we go somewhere? And you get like an aggressive uh, minor into a key riff. when when the Yogmans are on screen. Uh, yeah, but it does notably mix up um, a lot of the time when, especially when Jones is shorting out, which is when you get mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of the more angular designs in the background and like the flashing colors and lights. A lot of the times it goes into like those old chip tuny, you know, Atari style uh, video game sound effects. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was. Yeah, you'll get your bleeps and bloops very, as well as your sprungs and boils. Yeah, it's, I, I actually really liked it whenever that happened. It, it felt very appropriate to the moment. Like, we are normally in the 80s and then we're being mm-hmm. shunted into robot land for the space of a minute while Jones mm-hmm. is short circuiting for one reason or another. Did you guys? Yeah. Did you guys watch the Rubik's Cube episode? I did. Okay, I have I no transition not. for that. Other than there's a reference to it for an '80s thing that no one remembers except me. Was it the uh, Rubik's Cube? Yeah, remember that thing? There was this little toy we had in the '80s where you could turn a thing and it would change the colors, and then you'd look at it, and then you'd get angry and you'd throw it against I think the they wall. Called it, I think they called it like a Wonder Cube, and it was yeah. the stereotypical '80s fad episode. Yeah. Um, it, but it was I a cool episode. Quick, quick, quick. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> quick go ahead. thing. I got really into Rubik's Cube. The concept, not like learning how to solve it no, or anything. that's baby shit. Yeah. 
But just the idea, yeah. like I went as a Rubik's you Cube did. for Halloween You did, once. you couldn't fit their doors. <laughs> it was difficult. And I, I asked for one for my birthday, but I asked for an a Rubik's Cube, because I had only ever heard it said that's a Rubik's very Cube good. and thought that that's what it Man. was. What did you get? Did they know what they, did they know what you're talking about, or did they get they you made their own cube? <laughs> yeah, they figured it out. I remember the song, remember the uh, music, not relevant, the song Jesse's Girl, I always thought his name was Juicy. So I always thought it was Juicy's girl. <laughs> People thought it was weird. Oh yeah, because his name was on the butt. You know, yeah. I wish that I had Juicy's girl. Because that's kind of how he says it. <laughs> I've never been good at. I've never been good at discerning lyrics. I, I've never I been good at that. I constantly used to mix up the words frappe and afro, and I don't know why. It's just the <laughs> fr sound, loving. and I didn't have context for either word, so I was just. If you're, if you're Japanese, uh, if you're listening to this thing, uh, uh, then they famously can't differentiate between the letter the er sounds and o mm-hmm. sounds because there's no there's no they're the same sound in Japanese. Yeah, and we've seen that in a number of different shows yeah. that being played for yeah, humor. Which is, yeah, it's usually not very no, good it's, success. It's, no, it's, it's never funny because it's been done. I, it, is, it is you know it's one of those things where like the intent matters a lot to the joke because like I don't have mm-hmm. a particular you know weird anti patriotic. <laughs> hatred of uh you know japanese people and their language but i do find humor in like you can try to say the word wolf in english and it comes out udufu in japanese yeah. and that that is funny because language is funny but yep the intent matters a lot there do we have any trilingual no one knows three languages i'm gonna just go ahead and tell you tell you that right Can't now be done. are we still talking about music now or are we talk because uh I, I think we want to start uh, moving into some odds and ends that okay. we that we well, left I wanted, behind. Okay, I don't. This might be an odd and end or something. Cause, like, did you guys watch the episode called Groovesicle? I I watched the Rubik's Cube no. episode. Oh, and you guys were going to talk more about the Rubik's Cube one. Oh as well. yeah, that, well there's a there's a parody in that the thing where they go on a show called That's Amazing. That's a parody of an actual show that oh, existed I called That's known. Incredible. Yeah, that's a that was an actual <laughs> show where they had John Davidson, Mr. Hare, uh, and he literally was just like, hey, this guy can fit in a box. We have a water skiing Oh, is squirrel. this like the show with like the guy who can fit three billiard balls in his mouth or something? Yeah, we can catch a bullet with his mouth, which I don't know how he actually did it, but I don't think he actually caught a bullet. No, and that got myth busted, uh, if I'm not missing. So Somebody threw the bullet. Yeah, that, that's the trick. Yes, he trick. did. There's a trick. But <laughs> there was one cool <laughs> no, thing in the should... Rubik's Cube episode that I wanted to point out, just because, again, I think that they're... I don't find it cheap because they're trying a bunch of stuff with the animation, like you said, with the screen transitions... Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say they can't be lazy, because I saw a number of mm. just slide to the right kind of Scooby Doo scene transitions. Star Wars type, yeah. Scooby Doo scene transitions. They, they were experimental, but never enough for it to be a selling right. point. Yeah. Um, one thing that they did in the Rubik's Cube episode, which is when Robot Jones was hallucinating uh, for whatever reason, whatever robot reason he came up with, it, it, it happens. happens a lot. Um, he saw the whole world as kind of a series of Rubik's Cubes. Mm-hmm. including people which I, I thought was really cool so like shannon walks in and her face is all a jumbled and he has to do that delightful moving my arms around in front of a thing mm-hmm. to convey that i'm working on it kind of thing mm-hmm. which yeah. is, is animation shorthand i will never tire of is like just yeah. it's, it's clearly somebody is doing a lot of things with their arms and there's just a jumble of stuff <laughs> in the middle and then you see the end result if he were a marionette mm-hmm. it would fit yeah uh yeah but yeah, and I'm trying to think of other 80s stuff they reference, but... Uh, yeah, you must have been just yeah. in a playground for this whole show. You'd think I was, like, sitting here, like, I kept thinking, like, oh, but there's gotta be a bunch of cool 80s stuff. There's the Rubik's Cube, there's the Devo hats, and I think that was all I really took note of. <laughs> there, the, were, oh, there was the emergence the, the, of video oh, games the, in, in, you know, 
common parlance. The the, uh, the guy doing the voice of the man. Well, I guess it was also this is kind of a thing where it's not really the eighties yet. It's still the seventies, and I know that's a weird thing sure. to say. Like when did so that's a question. So when did the eighties begin? And, pe- and like people will think, well, duh, they began on January first, nineteen eighty. No, they didn't. They began sometime because in nineteen eighty was still kind of the seventies. I think this is one of these. I think this question is one that only you kind of care about the answer. Like, I, well, like, I don't know what the answer is, uh, but uh, if if we can talk about the seventies, no, you guys are weird. Like, you know it when you see it. Like, do, do you really yeah. care when it started? <laughs> that that's a valid point. It doesn't really matter, but it was still kind of the seventies. It was still kind of we still had this seventies aesthetic for the beginning part of like nineteen eighty. I wanted to see it more was, parachute it, pants personally. Yeah, yeah. We, Abba was still touring. Yeah. What broke? Who broke up? Joy Division was still together. This is where you put in a Joy Division song. When you said um, Ab- Abba was still touring, I imagined um, like one of those um, those Turing uh, test experiments where there's like, you know, that closed door and you have to see whether the person on the other side is Abba or not. Uh, why didn't we do a Turing test uh, for our intro? <laughs> I mean, because we have the title that we will get to in a minute. But uh, let, let's actually talk uh, about the title. Well, um, oh, okay, you want to talk about the- no, I want to talk again, about the title I, and intro kind of as like the last bits that I wanted to bring up. Okay, I got a few more things I want to bring up, but do you want to Yeah, let, let's I let's talk- cut it with some of my stuff and then we can finish Okay, I want to talk about the teacher, uh, Mr. McMickmick, the math teacher. You can go first. Mr. McMickmick, the math <laughs> teacher who is voiced by Rip Taylor. Do we are we familiar with who Rip Taylor was? Uh He's he's Rip Torn's Taylor. <laughs> I was I was about to try and make something of Rip Torn, yeah. but it, you got there first. Rip Taylor was a personality. He's like he was the define. I would argue. So this is the other stuff I get to. But he was like, "Merry Christmas, everybody!" And he'd throw confetti. And he was oh that guy. He was like, he was very very gay, but he never came out of the closet. And to the point where when people said, "Oh, he's gay," he was like, "Um, excuse, like in his." Rip Taylor voice, um, excuse me, I have never come out of the closet. Please do not make, and like in a very serious way, saying that he was that kind of guy to where he was just such this bizarre dichotomy. But he was such a big character. He was like this weird, you'd see him on like game shows all the time in the 70s. And I just, he's the voice of the math teacher. And they needed the math, they needed somebody from the 70s to voice the math teacher. And I guess Mason Reese was unavailable. You see this a lot in those shows, like um, the Mr. Simmons from Hey Arnold, you know, just the overly sensitive. Yeah, uh, kind of a pretty obviously gay sort of teacher. Yeah, they they don't know a better way to add characterization to a bit. They, they don't know exactly. how to do a teacher that isn't a drill sergeant or gay. It's very weird. It's weird because we have huh. we have two in the show. <laughs> yeah. We have him, and then we have the gym teacher as well, who's voiced by D Baker, uh, who we all know from everything. Well, no, yeah, everything. But before he did everything, he did one really important Ooh, thing. Olmec. Yes. He was the announcer. No, he was both. What? He was the and he, he was, was the, Olmec. He announced yes, Olmec. He was the, the legends of the hidden temple. He'd do that big. He'd do that big, you know, and retrieve the necklace of Montezuma in three minutes, and you'll be handsomely rewarded. And here's how. First, you're going to get a skateboard. Like, the transition was like that. He was that good. <laughs> um, but Rip Taylor, I remember, because this is the only time I'll ever get to tell my Rip Taylor story. Was he akin to a I, Richard Simmons? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yes. Okay. He was very akin very to a Richard Simmons. He wasn't a workout guy, but he was he was that kind of personality. I'm, um, I'm not sold that Richard Simmons was a workout guy. Or at least Richard Sim- or at least fitness wasn't the point of the exercise. Well, Richard Simmons was, you, you like, you look at these guys who are like, you can get big and buff like me. No, I can't. You can look like me. I could probably yeah, that pull let, that off. That looks <laughs> yeah, I could do that. <laughs> but 
with Rip Taylor, I remember walking around my neighborhood, as I often do, and thinking about life. And I remember thinking, man, Rip Taylor, you know, he's like so emblematic of the 70s. When he dies, it's going to be like the 70s are officially over in my mind. Like, like every... <laughs> Disco every is not yet fa- dead to you. Every connecting facet of the 70s... The disco is life. Every, every connecting facet of what was emblematic of the 70s will be gone. That, that, that's the thought mm-hmm. that entered my head. It's going to be so weird because that will, in my mind, that will be like the 70s. 70s nostalgia will be over. Are we going to get a show Three. note for Disco is not dead, Disco is life from uh, Mystery that, Men? I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Probably. I'm not done. Oh, I'm, done I'm sorry. It. He's not. I bet oh, he's not okay. done. <laughs> Three days later, Rip Taylor died. Aw. That's. You're a wizard. I have worse examples. I'm, I, like, I do not doubt yeah. it. I won't of your precognizance. Um, I have ones that were literally like minutes, not exaggeration. Now you can just let the algorithm figure it out. Yeah. All right, Ben, you want to hit us with your last yeah, kind of last bits? I got a couple more things. Um, the title is atrocious. We already mentioned that, so I'm going to yeah. glance over that. To get to the, I think, the worst part of the whole show, believe it or not, which is in the intro, it's mostly good. I think like I think that the intro is yeah. mostly fine I like the guitar it's got engaging visuals it's a snappy uh, it's a snappy I love pace. the you know the ontology of you're made in a factory and immediately put into a school with children I really want to know mm-hmm. what kind of you know um, sleeper agent this robot Jones actually is <laughs> uh, we never get followed up on the intro being screamed at me from the mouths of several children and then followed by Robot Jones Robot in that Jones. in in not merely it's not the voice that is in the show of Robot Jones it's a distinct robot voice which is confusing <laughs> and bad and it didn't start good cuz all those jo- those kids simultaneously you know doing it, it's it's the blues clues kids it's the you know yep. Mail yeah. time! It's, it's, it's those. <laughs> it's a map. Those yeah, kids, it's the yeah. map kids. It it's just like the chorus of kids saying, "Whatever happened to Robot Jones?" Jones. It's terrible. Yeah. It is so bad. I I can't verbalize how disappointed I was when and and because everything would, up to that point is awesome. And and also, when would kids ever, as a chorus, say, "Whatever happened to"? Bob, you know, like when would they? They, ever they say probably that? made them say this. The made them say the whole thing and just cut off the yeah. end. But I mean, like, when yeah. would they ever? Do, like, when would like when you were a kid? Like, did you ever say like, oh, whatever happened? Like, no one says that. Like, when they're not, you can get kids to say anything. That's true. Well-known cult leader fact. But yeah, that's, just take lollipops. My bigger problem is the fact ask that is, and I hate this is when things ask questions that they don't even attempt to answer. They never try to figure out whatever happened to Robot Jones. The 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 the, 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 title, the title is nonsense. The fact that it's the eighties yeah. and the fact that robots are apparently an integral part of the society. None of this is used. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes no difference. Yeah, they made a they made a generic high school like coming of age show, and that's why it's bad. As bad as yeah. the ontology, they're not going anywhere. Is I found the delivery of that line just so. Yeah. Uh, it just and, it. I know they do it twice. I know they do it at the start and the end of the. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, they, they. I think they say they say something twice. I just don't remember. Oh yeah, they say whatever happened to Ro- whatever happened to Robot Jones, and then the music starts, and then they say it at the end. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they bookend it with like just a, a big ton of bullshit on either side, and the the middle is great. The first time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's just it was it let put the wind out of my sails when I started a new episode. Like I was always starting off on a very disappointed foot, and there I I couldn't see a reason for it. 
maybe the, I skipped through it. I, I'll be honest, I just skipped through it at a certain Smart. point. Like, and I'm and I'm usually pretty good about no. You got to watch the title sequence. Like I hate when they have shows that don't have title sequences, or they have shows that you know are like, would you like to skip the title sequence? No, I don't want to <laughs> skip the title sequence. The goal of the it's title sequence the show, is to bring me into the damn show. Netflix. <laughs> maybe but if I we, had it for Netflix, but I had to like you know go through the back channels for this, so they didn't have that like weeded out by the time I got well, to it. Okay, so you were lucky if the audio quality was better than Kid in His Closet. Oh, like, it was recording. awful, but mm-hmm. like I don't hold that against the show. Like I, I'm I don't to, know if it was part of the show. It could have been. I'm able do we, to internally filter yeah. it out at this point. Okay, do we do we have any more comments to say about? Which, by the way, we didn't even. I don't even think we really talked about Robot Jones, the character. No, he sucks. He's well, a bad I, character. He, he's just a bunch I of. Have a, I have a point I want to make, which is. Jenny was not so robots are very boring when they're just robots. Like Jenny Fra or I'm yeah. sorry, XJ Nyan was XJ Nyan. XJ Nine was not a robot. XJ Nine was a girl that had robotic uh, a metal American. that had robotic yes. acid. This is a robot. Made in America. Robot Jones is a robot. Assembled in Mexico. Robot Jones is a robot. <laughs> there is nothing to him other than the fact that he's a robot. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's it's he's so much le- and again it goes to the voice performance of Richard Stephen Horowitz but also to the character concept that like he fulfills the same function in the show as a Zim. Yeah. He is trying to learn about humanity and he does so in a different way each day. He misunderstands naively some aspect of human culture and goes way too far into it. Mm-hmm. Uh but there is no personality behind it of like egomania or narcissism like Zim has it is just but, misunderstanding until he yeah. understands. But they also don't really go whole hog with the robot part of it either. So in one episode, like he's nervous about asking Shannon to the dance. Mm-hmm. And the show, you know, there, there, there's a couple of, of minutes where, you know, his guy, you know, his guy friends are ribbing him about it. Oh, you love her. You want to have a, a baby? And he's like, I'm too young to have a cyborg child. Mm-hmm. I can't be a dad unit. A I, I, want, I want to see more about his family planning personally. <laughs> but most most of the episode is him encountering her and he gets so nervous that his exhaust port his exhaust ports get agitated. Mm-hmm. So half the episode is just ending scenes with huge farts. Yep. <laughs> where you don't need to be a robot for that show. <laughs> it's literally they that just is... took the, the generic thing and how do we put a robot in this? That's what they did. No, they, they 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 did even worse than that. They took the kid out. Yeah, they they, they put a, a a robot in a kid's place and then removed all the dialogue that would show you that it is a child with a personality and and motivations. He it, doesn't have those. It, he yeah. it's just like generically positive, but I I I can't point to him and say anything other than naive yeah. and vaguely positive. It's it's not a character. It's as if the other characters were like carrying around a Furby and yeah. the show is whatever happened to that Furby. And maybe most of that is just because they have a robot voice. But like I, I don't know, you can maybe speak to this Josh like in the second season did he seem a little yes. bit more like a character? He seemed a little bit more human but not a lot. I think they yeah, made the I right mean, call. There, there's a child in yeah. there. And again, somewhere in there. Yeah. They made the right call. It's not call. just a drone. Well, and um, what was I going to say? It ends with, uh, every episode ends with, like, at the end of Sex and the City with him, like, analysis. Humans are the kind of creature, or analysis. Dating is the kind of thing that people do to meet each other. That kind of I, I honestly didn't hate that wrap-up. Data log entry. Yeah, something you. bad happened, but I learned something good from like it. Doogie, end of episode. Like Doogie Howser, you know. Always. I kind of liked that bit. Uh, maybe it's just because the 
Maybe I think maybe because it was like kind of less chaos happening around Robot Jones, but like us seeing his thought processes such as they are. And we didn't see them for most of the episode because he's regularly shorting out and or insane in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So like just seeing, oh, this is the data he accumulated. This is how he is interpreting it. And there's like a spicy little joke in there somewhere for the bare part of the episode where they felt like they needed to work on dialogue. I, I actually mm-hmm. thought that the, the wrap-up was kind of fine. Okay. I um, mean, it's the first time in the episode where they tell you what actually happened. Yeah. It, it's, it's just the first not just part a where, series of events. It's the first and only part where, the ro- where Robot Jones has agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he's summarizing what he learned as opposed to, like, wandering through the Yogman twins setting down a bunch of rakes for him to walk on. Mm-hmm. He has no agency during the, the scope of an episode. There is there is no hero in here to root for. There is go to line eight, if then. It's just a series of algorithms that he follows. And this, it, it's mm-hmm. not until the end that we actually get the processing that makes a character. This is the animated equivalent of instructions on how to put together a tent or something. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. But at the end, it has like a nice little like smiley face thumbs up little guy who does a little dance uh and you get like points mm-hmm. on your next tent purchase cool mm-hmm. okay so do we have anything else we want to say about this show uh i didn't like it very much I this didn't is either. uh and i do want to mention like i couldn't it, it was hard to articulate why i didn't like it because there's very little going on that i can point to and be like that's wrong other than the voices like most of it's just kind of bland and purposeless Mm -hmm. and the animation Mm -hmm. is very impactful so i think i wanted to like this show and i just it didn't have enough heart to get Mm -hmm. me invested if that makes sense yeah yeah i don't know exactly how i would sell somebody on this show i i I would have to say like well it's a show about you know a robot in middle school Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't sell any one specific thing because it doesn't really commit to any direction. Oh, is he like maybe, ben? Do you think maybe if we had like an Urkin Empire startup kind of arc where like we see why it is necessary for robot kind and humanity to integrate to yeah. some degree? Like maybe yeah, that would give it some stakes. It would be nice yeah. to have yeah. stakes, but like, well, like the Ogmans you'd think would be like big bad villains that like, like they're only in like four shows. They're horrible. They want to steal his brain though. Yeah, and you'd think that'd be a bigger deal, but like they're only in like I think they're only in like four shows. Are they in the, yeah. only in like four episodes? I saw them every single so. time, and it just it sucks. They may be like background characters <laughs> a couple times, but I think they're really only integral to the plot of four shows. But uh, I this... only saw them as instigating villains. Yeah. On the scale of, I mean, on Josh's patented scale, where one is Generator Rex and ten is Fillmore, this is easily a four. This is it's not a it's not awesome. It's not terrible. You don't sit there going like I hate this. You just like it exists. That's the nicest I thing I can say it. about it. I appreciate it and do not like it. Yeah. I don't know what number that is. I'm guessing like a three or a four. It's pie. It's it's like it's you need a, a, a full axis to kind of gauge that. Yeah. But I'll give it a two plus, you know, two I. Yeah, something like that. But okay, but um one one last point that I noticed. I um more. the mom, her hands are um gas uh pumps. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I, I liked that. Just... I wanted more robot kind. Just like I wanted him to have his own like, little nerd group of nerd robots that are like less accepting of humans than he is, so that him and the you know Beavis and Butthead uh, youths will actually like be a point of articulation in that whole society. Um, I do like the different ways that the robots are 
cheap and not interchangeable. Like, they don't have... I don't know, his hands, like the like little U-shaped little like claw yeah. grabber hand yeah. things, no other robot on the show has those. Yeah. <laughs> and I, There's I, not a lot of other robots. Well, it's well, only I mean, his parents. That there were so little robots. Yeah, I kind of wanted a here. lot of them. There's an episode where he, he becomes like a Repo Man, and there's another like Repo Man who looks like Ter- he looks like the, the, the uh, Terminator from the original Terminator movie. Nice. Where he becomes like a, he, he helps this Repo guy repossess like old defective stuff. It's not a great. You, you think I, my description is better than the episode? I think. Yeah, it sounded good. You do see a few episodes. You do see a few more episodes. But okay, so are we done talking? Because there's something about this show that I really have to bring up. This one segment. All right, let's have it. it. Hit us with okay, it. so the fact that no one brought this up leads me to believe neither of you guys have seen this. So there's there's a segment that's called Groove Sickle, and sometimes they would do this. Sometimes they do this like like when they have the pilot. The pilot's only like seven minutes long, and then when they bring it into the syndication, they'll. They'll have to they'll have to make up another form. Like remember SpongeBob, they had that. Mm-hmm. Remember Reef Blower? That's like, yeah, yeah. where they have to animate something. So like, what did they do with this thing? Okay, so this is what they did apparently, and I have no idea. I'm like, what the hell is this? It's it's Robot Jones and I guess Socks are like sitting on a thing, and Socks says, "Hey man, let's watch Groove Sickle." And Groove Sickle is like, it's like Soul Train or something. We know? Do we know what Soul Train is? <laughs> They're just watching. Uh, we're familiar with the Soul Train, yes. So they're just watching. I, I'm, this... I'm more akin to you a can, Soul you, Plane. So they're just watching. You can yeah. you can throw a, a phoenix uh, a phoenix down at it, and it uh, it's an instant KO. Yeah. So they're watching the basically Soul Train, and you, Don Cornelius is like, and now we go to we go to uh, Groove the new band Groove Sickle with their big hit song, and so it's basically a music video that has nothing to do with Robot Jones, that has nothing to do with anything. And the mm. name of and it's literally, but it, what's weird is that it's two things that are weird about it. One is one that you will react to. One, it's like it's a uh, like acid rock song, which is weird because this is the mm-hmm. '80s. You'd think it would be like a Devo song or a Duran Duran parody or something like that. But like mm-hmm. it's weird sure. that we're going back to the '60s. Okay, the second weird thing: the name of this song and the music video that ensues is called "The Nudist and Mr. Pendleton." And oh. what it is is a it's so they're singing this song. And we see this music video and it's a. British gentleman wearing like a bowler hat, wearing a cane, and wearing like those black socks with shoes, completely naked, uh, running around, and his dog Mr. Pendleton holding like like sensor cards over the things over the parts of him that we aren't supposed to see. And I, oh, yeah, the ankles, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those sexy ankles. Uh, it is like oh, you will watch it, you'll be like, what the hell is this? Is this like did I pick? You'll you'll watch it, you'll think did I click on some wrong? Is this like one of those? YouTube prank videos where it's like you have like a bunch of Peppa Pig and then you have like the one really violent thing in there. Like it is the mm-hmm. most bizarre thing. You're like, what the hell does this have to do with Robot Jones? This has nothing to do with anything. They do like interquel segments on a lot of shows. And I don't know. It, it I think that it lands better if like it's pretty... Because they they would do that in Dexter's lab, yeah, you know, like with the dial M for monkey or what have you. Mm-hmm. You know, those like little within a show kind of shows. They had um, the quickie segments in Garfield and Friends. Those read pretty naturally to me. This doesn't read. So naturally. maybe it's just maybe it's just like familiarity of it would make it a little bit like if you if this became a hit and like had multiple seasons and they did the Groove Train thing all the time, you would start to associate the two. I, maybe, mm-hmm. but it's like it's so out of it comes out of nowhere. You watch it and you like you're just like, what the hell is this? Like, was this like some sort of weird backdoor pilot? They were going to do for this nudist uh, guy who was being followed around by no, his dog. So, sometimes you just got to fill time, and you had a pet project you wanted to work on. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you, 
But whatever happened to Robot Jones, the creators did not go in with a big plan yeah. of like, how yeah, this is supposed to work. I will give you that. You did mention one thing, and it, it, it jogged my memory of something I had wanted to bring up, uh, which is SpongeBob. Yeah. And they do something really nice in the animation here that I failed to articulate earlier. A lot of the time, we will get like this hyper detailed version of our gross characters, so you can really <laughs> drink in how gross they are. So, like the Yogman twins are are horrific, yes. deformed malcontents. Mm-hmm. But every so often, like the 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 greasier and lankier of the two mm-hmm. will get like this crazed look in his eyes, and you'll like hyper focus on mm-hmm. it, and it reminds me of like the. Um, Something that they do in Spongebob sometimes, which is way more jarring and more effective, in my opinion, because in this show, they just go from sort of grotesque to hyper grotesque. And Mm -hmm. in that show, they go to candy colored to hyper grotesque. But do you guys remember in um, Spongebob, the episode where Squidward realizes he likes Krabby Patties? I'm picturing it. Yeah. And and it has that one part where he's like, where... he, he says, no, I don't want one. And SpongeBob says, are you sure? And he says, does this look unsure to you? And then you get that hyper detailed face with like, just like the, it, it's, horrible it's like sweat carved out of granite flesh. and like the, the lips are all fleshy and gross. The one I remember. That's, yeah. that's what this reminds me of. The one I remember is the one where he, where uh, SpongeBob and Patrick are, have the clam baby. And, and they're oh, debating yeah. who should be the mom and who should be the dad. And Patrick's like, and uh, uh, SpongeBob's like, well, you got to be the dad because you don't wear a shirt. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. What kind of woman would I be? And it's like, it cuts to Patrick and it's like the deformed, doughy blob <laughs> Just, that is his gut. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, and, and I, think, I, I think that's a fun flourish for yeah. SpongeBob. Here, it's just kind of gross really selling gross. how much I don't want to lick at it. Gross I, gross. I'm kind of okay with the fact that they're like gross because... You know, in middle school, we all yeah. looked this bad in the sense that, like, we all could only focus on our grossest features, and I think that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. I guess, but, like, Ren and Stimpy does it better because it, like, draws the eye a little bit more appropriately. Like, I actually kind of didn't notice it until I looked for it, like, how mm-hmm. much. Again, I think it's the contrast that's really necessary there, you know? Sure. Like, it already looks bad, so for it to do the hyper-focus gross thing is... I think less effective and just sort of cranks the amount I don't want to look at it. You brought, yeah, it's too far. You brought up Ren. Are we done with Robot Jones? Can we be done? I've, I've okay. been for for decades. Okay, you brought up you brought up Nickelodeon, and I wanted to point out that I've done a Disney show, I've done an ABC show, I've done a kids uh, PBS show. Now I've done a Cartoon Network show. My next ah, show I have planned is a Spike TV. Is a hub? No, we're not going to talk about Stripperella. Uh, okay. That's that's you. I know that you guys would hate that. I hate it too. Uh, fun fact: the guys who wrote Stripperella also wrote for all that. So, um, isn't that just Cyber Six? No, it's like it's like superhero who's all stripper by day, super heroine by night. You're not missing much, kid. Isn't that was a comic series? Yes, wasn't it? It was. And yeah. Stanley, I don't. Who knows how much involvement Stanley had? But hmm. But regardless, the next show I have is a Hub Network show, and I, I don't know if I should say what it is because I don't want anyone to claim it before I do. I mean, how many Hub Network shows can there be? Exactly. Like, I worry. I, I sort of doubt, but, like, if you want to say it now just so that we know and then we can cut it from this episode, that's fine. I'm not going to say anything about it until you watch it. So, 
Uh, now all I need is a Nickelodeon show and a Kids WB show, and I will have completed the seven. <laughs> You'll have rounded completed the, the yeah. circuit. Yeah. You've made the eight. Mm-hmm. Well, but, you know, that, that's a good point, though, because uh, I think it's about time that we talked about what we're going to watch next. Zane, what is, uh, what's up next for us? Next up, we are going to be watching a movie. Uh, we weren't initially planning to watch this, but the timing worked out perfectly because one is Halloween. Uh, two, this movie just came out. And three, we had the people perfect f- for talking about it. So we're going to watch Courage the Cowardly Dog meets Scooby-Doo and the Gang, or whatever the movie's actually called. Um, and uh, um, Dan and Nick will be joining us for that. I have- yeah, so listen along for the Herculean task of trying to heard both Dan and Nick at the same we've we've managed it separately but only just I haven't watched it yet and I don't plan to I have absolutely no faith in this uh we'll and I'm not going to notes. I know I'm not going to be there for it and I won't say anything other than just best of luck we'll, we'll have to like we'll have to like ship Dan some like methamphetamines and ship Nick some tranquilizers or something just to even them out. Oh, hey, cool. Ben and Zane <laughs> just a, just a, pie. Just, just yeah, make it, uh, just make it a fair playing ground. Yeah. And, and Ben, what, uh, what we'll be watching after that and what uh, mind-altering substances should we indulge at that time? <laughs> well, Zane, um, I have been not doing this regularly for a bit. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I've lost my mojo, baby. And, uh, I'm trying to get back into the swing of things. And what better way to kind of go back to my roots than to pick an old 80s show that, uh, we have not yet looked at. Oh boy. So, uh, will we be watching the original Voltron? Ooh! Ooh. Yeah, the super fighting robot? And, and I recommend you um, take the drugs of five different drugs that combine to form the Pineapple Express Turbo drugs. Super Drug. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And, that that uh, sounds like it would be actually a very good like mixed drink. The the Voltron, uh, the Voltron? Super Drug. Yeah. Okay. That that would be a complex. Uh, that would be. Com- There's Voltron. no way. I'm sure some, five some... individual drink like unless I mean Long Island iced tea maybe I don't know. You put your you put your cognac you put your. High C. It's got to be high C, yep. none of that tang crap. Uh, Creme de menthe. A little bit of chocolate syrup. Uh, and um, some... Worcestershire sauce. I don't know. Gasoline. Sambuca. Gasoline. There we go. <laughs> yeah, why not? For the, for the jet uh, boosters. Yeah. Well, cool. But, oh, yeah. man, that's cool that um, you guys are doing both. And, and yeah, uh, Zane, cool. I'll leave it up to you whether or not we want to do a um, reheated and compare it to the more recent I, I will. Voltron. I will probably watch an episode of the more recent one. I heard that, like, it was... I've only heard really good or really bad, and those were a couple years it, apart, so... That's I, bizarre, because I found it fine. Interesting. I, it, I, it's one of those things... <laughs> it's I talk like to your two clones? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Adventure Time. It starts out pretty good, and then it just kind of goes into a... Why are we... Like, yeah. I don't give a damn about Gunther the Penguin. Get off my screen. That That is not my read of... Um, Voltron or Adventure Time? Of the new Voltron. But, um, yeah, I just kind of found it fine and consistently fine. So you want to see how the original but, was? Yeah, I, I'm I'm betting that it will be one of those that I actually appreciate the original more because in my approximation, the new Voltron is just, like, kind of samey to a lot of other space-faring, you know, kid teens with attitude shows. Yeah, I mean, you know I'm just going to be thinking about in the Power past Rangers decade. the whole time. I, I know you are, and, and go, I'm go, willing to. I'm, I'm very excited for you to tell us why the lions uh, pale in comparison to the mastodon. But until we get there, uh, 
Zane, people can look us up on our Facebook page. They can go to our website at fancybat.com slash cartoncast. Uh, you can go to our contact page there and leave us a comment if you have anything to say about the old Voltron show or the new one. Or Scooby-Doo fights uh, the Courage the Cowardly Dog monsters. I, I don't think they fight. Uh, I, I would watch, I mean, that, over, they supposed I would watch to do? that over what we probably end up getting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, and you can go to Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a rating or review. It really helps us out. Um, and uh, more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. And uh, Josh, where can people go to watch you argue with yourself? Uh, go to the JM Archives where you can hear my interviews with Hope Holiday. Uh, I told you guys last time I did it. Or no, I told Zane this. Ben doesn't know this. I interviewed the guy who did the first ever gay newlywed game. Hmm. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds like a, a game show that I should watch. It's not as it's not as great as it sounds. Uh, it's literally just. It, it's just does an, it have it, Richard? What, no. Does it have Richard Simmons Richard and Taylor? Uh, Richard and, Taylor. It's just Richard it's just the newlywed game. It's which I think is one of the great things about it. It's literally just the newlywed games. And oh, by the way, occasionally we have a same sex couple on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I was watching because of Zane uh, Tuka and Birdie lately, and I am just blown away every time there's a cartoon that has gay characters that doesn't talk about how they're gay all the time. Yeah, some instances are better than others. We'll say that much with... Uh, assuredly, yeah. but, like, I think they're getting much more tactful at it. Yeah. Um, I, I remember there was a really good example in um, uh, Kipo and the Age of Wilderbeasts, or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, and then Tuka and Birdie has an extremely smooth... Uh, intro to the um, sexuality, uh, the non-standard sexuality of a particular character. Yeah, the dynamics are interesting. And then go to no- yeah. And then go to not undercover cop three two seven, and you can see my uh, that's my uh, name, which is an MXC reference. Uh, Vic Re- that's really Vic good. Romano, Vic Romano. Remember when MySpace was a thing, kids? Vic Romano got a MySpace page, and he had two friends, one of whom was Tom, and the other was a very attractive young woman with the screen name Not Undercover Cop Three Two Seven. That's very. That's funny. so good. <laughs> Here's someone who wanted to be my. And then I just uh, there's some great Vic, which we'll talk about Vic Romano later. But there's some Not great Undercover Cop and then a bunch of numbers <laughs> is just. I'm gonna go change my gamer tag on uh, on Xbox. Kenny, I will have you know that I have gotten four date requests from Matchmate.com. Of course, three of them were spam, and one was a very nice gentleman from Munich. <laughs> God, I miss him. I don't know what that one's from. God, I miss MXC. Uh, we know. <laughs> it's not like you bring it up every time. I'll do an MXC video soon and hope that TBS doesn't take it down because they're bastards. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. It was fun to chat about, uh, you know, Robot Jones to a small 80s. extent, and much more fun to talk about, you know, I love the '90s and uh, Mr. Roboto and all that, all the other great digressions <laughs> today. Taylor. I learned more about great Mr. Roboto than I ever cared to know. Again, I cannot thank you enough for explaining your references. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is it uh, like we're so much used to the guests who assume that we know what they're talking about or are bad at articulating them. Mm-hmm. So, which which are both delightful in their own ways, but you cite your fucking sources, and it's very much appreciated. Do you guys have trouble getting people coming on? Now, this you don't have to put this in the thing or not, or whatever. But do you guys have trouble getting people coming on now that you're running out of cart? Not running out of cartoons, but like you guys have already done like the Johnny Bravo, the big ones. Now I don't know. Oh no no no! no. Everyone's okay. got different old cartoons that okay. they we're just, uh, we're just kind of in a rhythm. Of. Because okay. I can imagine yeah, someone saying, like, oh, I'd love to do your show, but I'll only do, I don't know, Jackie Chan or something. Every once in a while I try to expand the circle, but it's usually, like, yeah. you know, not worth the okay. extra effort. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, we've got our rhythms. That's true. Um, but I've found that 
you know, there, there were a bunch of, um, if, if you just talk to a slightly older or younger generation, they grew up with a whole different, mm-hmm. you know, a, a whole different parameter of cartoons from, from networks I never heard of. Um, there's always the odd, um, you know, foreign cartoon that we haven't heard of that we want to investigate, which is delightful. Yeah, it's oh, it's just a matter of hitting people where they're at, and uh, you ve- you rarely get the kind of people who have only seen Dexter's Lab and haven't seen anything else in the True. in the um, Cartoon Network catalog. Mm-hmm. Well, even, That's yeah. a very rare circumstance. Even this, like, I was never a proponent of Robot Jones. It's just, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, I am very anti. If Robot Jones <laughs> ordinance, co- if I'm telling you right now, I swear, if Robot Jones shows up on the next ballot. No way, Jose. <laughs> no dice. If Robot That's Jones shows up at my house, you know, I, I won't let I, him in. I promise, yeah. I promise you he will not come back for the Cartoni Awards. Yeah. Okay, good. This, this well, I can do I at solemnly least maybe, swear. Can I get a nomination at least? No, well, I already won an award. Uh, here, you got, you've, got, you've got one minute to give us a conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. Robot Jones is actually Mr. Robot. So whatever happened to Robot Jones? <laughs> Robot Jones joined the Navy, and then he became, uh, like, then he grew up, and he became Keanu Reeves. Wait, wait, wait. He joined the Navy. Yeah. Did he serve with Donald Duck? <laughs> I, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> well, Donald Duck Donald would have been Duck his, like, uh, drill sergeant because of the... His commanding yeah, officer? Yeah. That he's got seniority? I do not understand, Donald Sergeant Duck. Why are we running into battle? Thing. He, he wouldn't get the logic of it. He'd be like, why are we fighting? It'd be illogical. But, yeah. Why do we only I mean, kill some of the of humans? Dark. Shouldn't we kill all of the humans? Alrighty. That was a weird part of Dar- Donald Duck's legacy because it was the U.S. Navy. <laughs> oh, my God. No, the weirdest part is him and Maui Mallard. That is the weirdest fucking thing ever. That sounds like dog whistling. <laughs> it's a video game. It's a, the episode. It's a video game where Donald Duck plays the character of Maui Mallard. Is that like Cool Spot? It's It sounds like a very like Hang 10 kind of game. Well, we can, uh, we can uh, end it there. Thanks so much for coming on, Josh. And uh, to everybody else... Um, they never did solve that mystery. What? Whatever happened to you? Robot, robot sure. Jones, where are you? We <laughs> gotta build some cars now.